Cruising down a back road, strapped a heavy load. My trusty old sidekick, we're on the outlaw road. Dust clouds rising, sun beating on all our skin. A couple good old boys never let the law win. Welcome to Just Two Good Old Boys. Ben, Woo-hoo. how are you today? I'm doing good, Gene. Finally, you, uh, you ready for our first official episode? I think so. I'm actually on the right mic today. Hey, that's a that's a good thing. See now, so that's important to keep in in mind. Yeah, what happened since Gene didn't go into the full context last time is we I had some browser issues with a Chrome, so I switched to Brave, and as a result, I didn't notice that the wrong mic was mic was selected. And regardless, once we got into it and we're recording, there was no way to switch the mic back to the good one without stopping the recording. So sorry about that, guys. I'll try not to have that happen again. Yeah. Well, anybody that's listening on the speaker on their iPhone probably didn't hear any difference. (laughs) But people that are listening on actual headsets probably did. Probably. And, you know, there was some noise from me bumping the computer and you're, you were at one point like, dude, what thing. are you bumping the mic? I'm like, yeah, literally, I'm not bumping the mic, but it was yeah, you're my like laptop. banging on the computer while saying you're not <laughs> bumping typing. the mic. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Exactly. Oh, so, Gene, what's been going on? I've been, I've been traveling, man. I've been all over you, the place. You have week. been traveling. So that's, well, definitely want to hear about that. Let's see, on my end, what do I, what do I have? I didn't get any guns. I just got a stock, or uh, sorry, an arm brace, finally, that I bought like a month ago. It finally showed up. And I'm still planning on doing my build-out of the 300 Blackout as my cool. final acquisition of that I completely didn't need to diversify in my ammunition supply. So <laughs> will this be the final purchase of 2022? Man, I hope so. I really don't need any more guns. I, I I literally, like, I watch Brennan Herrera, who's out here from Texas as well, who's the AK guy on YouTube, and he, along with a bunch of the other guys, tend to do their shows in front of their gun wall, mm-hmm. which is a pegboard, basically, mm-hmm. much like gun stores have, yeah. with guns sitting there, and I looked around my living room, and I'm like, I got enough for a pegboard right now. Fuck. <laughs> But I, I've never understood that because I'm just not going to show off my guns. I'm, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah, you're one of those crazy people. Yeah. Uh, the what only guns I, I wouldn't want to show off are the ones that you can't have. Indeed. Everything else, I have no problem showing off. Yeah. You know, when <sighs> if there's some super secret uh, gun that's like there's three copies of in the U.S. and you happen to have one, yeah, that I probably wouldn't show off. But, you know, anything you can order... Well, why would you not show it off? Uh, I, you know, it's just like a friends of mine who posted pictures with their firearms or whatever on Facebook. It's like, eh, why do that? You know, I just, I've never been that kind of guy. I don't understand why you have friends that are on Facebook. That's a bigger question, but okay. Well, this was also back in college before, you know, we really knew what Facebook was. Ah, and, yes. you know, was this was back when, when you had to have a .edu address. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Well, that and campus politics and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget how young you are. Well, yes, well, not that young. You whippersnapper, yeah. Hey. So, yeah, we want to catch up what's going on, on your end. But before we do that, so let's take care of some of the the 
show related stuff. So if you're yep. hearing this, that means you successfully downloaded the new RSS feed. Congratulations. I suspect there's a good chunk of people that are going to need to be reminded several times uh, from me on Sir Gene Speaks and in posts on No Agenda Social that if you want to listen to Ben and Gene, you should download the new show on the new RSS feed. But by listening to this, by hearing this right now, clearly you have done this correctly. Congratulations. Yes. And, you know, we do need to do some redirecting and make sure that we're handling that as well as we can. I think we set the stage some last week, but, you know, just continuing. We'll definitely, after we get out of this episode, I'll post on my agenda social. I'm sure you will too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm sure there will be a downturn for a little bit here, but that's okay. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I suspect I'm just going to get some messages either on the agenda or directly on the, my email that's tied to the Virginia Speaks that are saying, hey, are you not doing any more episodes with Ben? But mm -hmm. that's all right. Well, I, you know, again, I, I think it's, uh, it's not going to be a bad thing. I don't think either of mm -mm. us are too worried about numbers of listeners. I mean, well, this is kind of a conversation between podcast, you and I. Anyway, yeah, exactly. It really is. It's uh, everybody who's subscribed is really just a voyeur. Mm -hmm. it, it's that's really all it is. They're just listening in on our mm. our personal conversation that we'd be having anyway. Even if the mics, well, I guess we'd have the mics. We just wouldn't be recording. Yeah, yeah. Well, that or we might be on our phone or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, that, that's why I always said I wish you could just like do a a request from the NSA to just to get your conversations so you don't have <laughs> well, to record the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Hey, NSA, I need a for you. <laughs> I, need, I need this conversation from this date and time. Imagine if the government provided a service for a few mm -hmm. bucks, I'm not saying for free even, where if you can't like think of something or you neglected something and just, just send them the, the time, the date and the time that you need and they'll be happy to provide you with whatever was the conversation that in that room at that time. Yeah, I think that, that would be, that would be, that would be admitting to the dystopian world we live in, <laughs> but that's the world we live in. We just don't have the convenience of being able to request that. Right. But you know what? Then the sheeple might wake up a little bit and then we I might know, not live man. in that I think world. People would see that as a benefit. And I, I, uh, I want to, <laughs> get into this like i've spent a lot of time talking about this super awesome game called cyberpunk 2077 that i've been totally sucked into but oh my god is that game exactly going down the path of the no agenda listeners yes and a certain someone wanted it to be pointed out to you that that game is made in poland oh it is i know we talked about it on the show that you didn't listen to yesterday yeah but uh, totally, it, yeah. it, it's just it's okay and yeah, and anyway. I mean, I like Polish food. I, you know, I like Polish chicks. Well, it, it, I, I the, like the Poland funny in part general. Of, yeah, the funny part of, of this is that it's. I'm not it, the racist it, around here. Exactly. And, you know, I, you know, I poke, I enjoy poking the Polak. You know, I, I've mm -hmm. come close to making a few Polak jokes, but I won't. You know, it's just. Polak jokes one of those only work that, in the U.S. Like the rest of the world does not do Polak jokes. Well, uh, yeah, it was the Polish immigrants coming in. and Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the, the but, Polish people that lived in there, Poland the jokes were about. Yeah, it but was the funny the, part is there's the same jokes about the Irish and everyone else. It's all the but immigrant those, those populations aren't really jokes, get made fun though. of. Those are just observations. 
Uh, For those of you that don't know, I'm very Scotch Irish. So yeah, and and Darren's like completely Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet he can't be completely Irish though. He's way too tall. He is very tall, but uh, yeah, he's ridiculous. He's like six foot eight or nine or something. Mm -hmm. But no, he's on his. I think on his mom's side, he's 100 percent Irish, and on his dad's side, he's like 20 percent Irish. Yeah, yeah. My my lineage is. Very, very Scottish on my dad's side up mm-hmm. until my great grandmother, or yeah, my great grandmother. Neither you nor he are redheads, which is interesting. I've got a lot of red in my beard. Oh, you're the red red beard type. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then, so the interesting thing is, my great grandmother was her last name was Okerval. She was Swedish. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. that's where some of the blonde and all that comes right. in. And then on my mom's side, very, very Irish, short Irish. From like my tallest uncle was five seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, and like my mom's four foot 11. So short Irishman. Kidding? No, no, I'm not. Oh my God. I didn't realize that. Yeah. My mom's four foot 11 and my dad's six foot three. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm happy to be as tall as I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. No. It's all good. All right. Well, enough lollygagging. What, what do you... Well, dude, I've been to a couple security conferences this week and definitely got to overhear some interesting content on the geopolitical front talking about, you know, the the war that Russia has started and what mm. it means. And, you know, the interesting thing was that some of these people who are talking have some interesting pedigrees mm-hmm. and they were definitely talking from the neocon-esque geopolitical worldview you know they were these government related conferences or private industry conferences or well (laughs) so interestingly enough quasi-governmental on the first one and Mm -hmm. uh, public on the other one but Mm -hmm. anyway the interesting take here from this lady who is very much in different think tanks and so on and her co-presenter was that russia is losing and mm-hmm. that we can absolutely win this and push them out of the Donbass and even potentially Crimea, which I think is mm-hmm. just farcical at best. Mm-hmm. And that U.S. hegemony is insured. And to which, after the talk, one of the things I immediately went up and said was, you know, Are you what do you think is stupid? Yeah, well, that. But, you know, <laughs> hey, what, what do you think of the moves of Saudi Arabia and potentially, you know, mm-hmm. selling oil in a different currency? Don't mm-hmm. you see that the U.S. hegemony is pegged to the petrodollar? Well, not necessarily. I mean, we still have our military. How? Mm-hmm. How do you pay for that military without the ability uh-huh. to print? It was also interesting because they more or less admitted to the de- to the current policy deindustrializing Europe. And yep. I think it's interesting that it's at the rate that it is. So, Well, this achieves Klaus Schwab's goals. And I think mm-hmm. I think that the, the whole idea of using sanctions, they, they can't possibly be stupid enough, or at least not all of them, to think that after doing sanctions for 12 years, which didn't work, mm-hmm. that somehow magically sanctions would work now. I think this really was always a calculated move to force Europe further down the same path that COVID started, but didn't finish, which is turning Europeans into serfs. It's always been the goal. It, it's just going to happen a lot faster this way. Well, and quite frankly, Europe has always been in that 
surf mindset. Yeah. You know, they've never broken out of that. Europe is still very class oh, Some people based. would say that about China as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. the only nation in the world that really has no real class structure where mm-hmm. classes can move so rapidly and change so rapidly is the United States. You yeah, know, within one generation, the wealth, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say Mexico. No, no, no. Yeah. The, the Mexico is definitely a surf and repressive regime. All you have to do is look at the Mexicans are very much colorists. So the lighter skinned Mexicans are the ones who end up in politics and ruling, not the darker skinned ones. There is definitely a racism thing in Mexico, very much like India. India is still plagued by its class structure. Oh, yeah. Right? India it very much still has the untouchables. I mean, it, it's, it's official in India. I mean, it's yeah, not m- hidden. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, Modi's definitely he's a moving. Dirty. Yeah, he he's moving stuff around and changing yeah. it up, but there's still an underlying racism, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I'm sorry. He's a good friend of Putin. Well, he's also a good friend of Trump. He's a nationalist, and I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's one of the reasons why Trump and Putin got along to any yeah. degree is they are both nationalists seeking yeah. what is best for their nations. That's yeah, not exactly. a bad thing. And then finding common ground. That's yeah. how you succeed is you you look at what's best for somebody else, not just for yourself. And then you compare that with what's best for you. And you don't bend over backwards, but neither do you find a, a solution that leaves the other person completely without anything either. This is what compromise is. It's finding common ground. Well, and, you know, it's how you transition from this artificial unipolar world that has existed since, you know, post-World War II to a back to a multipolar world. Mm-hmm. And I say since World War II because while, yes, the USSR was there and so on, given its economy and everything else, it was going to collapse regardless of what the West did, in my opinion. So I don't think yeah, we forced I, the USSR to collapse. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that. I... I don't have a strong opinion on this, but I tend to disagree with you. I do think that the U.S. did a lot to really bring the USSR to that collapse by by having good marketing and good propaganda and and by adopting showing... the tenets of the Communist Manifesto and the Nazi Party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's amazing to me how almost. It's not daily, but certainly on a weekly basis, there's some video I'm watching on YouTube, and I watch quite a bit of video on YouTube, a lot of cat videos, as everybody knows, a lot of raccoon and bear videos, too. But there's at least a video once a week that mentions some Nazi scientist's original contribution to whatever the topic of the video is that were brought over by the United States after World yeah, War II. Yeah. We're not just talking about rocket science or nuclear no. science. We're talking about biology. Yeah, biology, I mean, like, you name it, you could probably trace anything scientific in the U.S., you could probably trace back to, oh, yeah, there was a Nazi scientist working on it. it whether major or minor contribution, sure. Yeah, and uh, it, it yeah. doesn't mean the, the U.S. is Nazi. I'm just saying that, that World War II was a humongous boon for the United States. It really created the modern United States. Agreed. You know, part of the reason why it created the modern United States is because, you know, we we did not suffer the destruction that Europe did. And we were able mm-hmm. to create the Marshall Plan to 
you know, rebuild Europe. And if we look at the economic sanctions and the way they're impacting Europe today, we may have that same opportunity. But, you know, that will require us maintaining our hegemony to be able to afford that. And I don't see how we... I don't see how we do that unless Europe is just totally unwilling to trade with, you know, the BRICS nations and, you know, we divide on those grounds. I don't know. But the West doesn't have a strong enough economic alliance to support that. Yeah. And I I think that it's going to be hard for Europe to get any kind of energy without trading with somebody who's wanting to trade in a different currency. Well, I mean – Europe is not without its own energy capacity. Mostly, you know. Is. I mean, the you know, Germany the has North coal. Has, yes, Germany has coal, and they're going to be working by oil candle lamps. Yeah, and or can, Germany, candles and Germany can build coal power plants and burn coal. The Netherlands has natural gas that they can, you know, turn certain things yeah, back on yeah, and continue and to frack. Norway's got a bunch of stuff up there. Yeah, they've got oil and gas. It, it, they do, but. I don't think that Europe has a sufficient amount of energy production compared to the energy needs in Europe. No, well, let me rephrase. They are not currently producing that energy. Do they have it in the ground where they could get it? Yes. Do you think they've got? And I look, I, I'm happy to you know let you be the expert on this because you, you are a lot more than I am, but. Are you sure that they've got enough in the ground to be fully self-sufficient? Because I, th- I think this is the reason that Saudi Arabia exists is because Europe has grown at a pace that has way outpaced their ability to provide energy for themselves. Well, I'm not saying they can wholly provide all the energy they would necessarily need, but they can do a hell of a lot more than they are. Well, that everybody, I think, would agree with. Yeah, but if you look at like the U.S., which we have a shit ton of mm-hmm. available energy in the ground, and we're better, barely teetering on being self-sufficient, mostly due to political issues. But even under Trump, it's not like we had tremendous amounts of excess. We were uh, still well, utilizing majority of the energy we were pumping out. Yeah, but the well, I mean, we were a net energy exporter under Trump, but we could have done even more. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we've shut down a lot of our coal. Had we not shut down that coal, or if we were exporting that coal, we would definitely have a lot more excess. Also, we don't really use our own. The U.S. geopolitical has been, we're going to use other people's resources, not our own. Yeah, I We're wealthy so enough stupid. to buy it. Well, I mean... Yes and no, but regardless, here's the thing. I I know where that comes from. It's this mentality that, you know, as long as we can afford cheap gas from somewhere else, we'll use that and then we'll save ours for when the prices go up because everybody else will have used up theirs. Two problems with that. One is this is proven to be not so much a finite resource as people once thought. And then number two is invention happens, which means that it becomes You're going to end up hoarding a resource that you no longer need. Yep. Well, it, it, here here's the thing. We have enough coal for hundreds of years worth of energy here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or hundreds so we have of tons the biggest of steel natural gas supply in the world or something? Yeah, the shale gas in the U.S. is tremendous. It's. Absolutely. I think it's the biggest in the world. Well, and quite frankly, if Aramco ever actually goes public and we get a good look at the Saudi books. My guess mm-hmm. is their oil fields are 
far closer to depletion than they would like to admit. And they Mm. don't have the technology that we do. You know, there have been export bans on a lot of the fracking techniques and things that that have been utilized successfully in Mm. the United States. So when you combine that, when you combine our potential nuclear resources, yeah, we have a lot of energy here in the U.S. And there's no Mm. reason why we shouldn't be using it. And when you look at the Chinese steel industry nearing bankruptcy, who knows? You know, maybe it's time for a comeback of steel production in the U.S., which Mm -hmm. requires coal. Yeah. Well, you can make steel with any kind of carbon, though, can't you? Yeah, but the easiest way to do it is with coke. Mm -hmm. And when I say coke, I mean the type of coal. Not not the coal. The white stuff. What, cocaine? Yeah. Wait, there's cocaine and steel? What? What did I miss? (laughs) Never mind, Gene. Uh, anyway, it's just interesting this, because do you know so you, why the Chinese steel industry is near bankruptcy? Why? Because, you know, some of the resources that were raped from them during World War II, during the mm-hmm. Japanese Sino War, it, those those are kind of coming home to roost. That and they're using so much coal for power production mm. that the cost of coal and the import of coal, because they have to import it, is really jacking up the price to them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at all into what Russia's got for coal, but I'm sure that with the current climate being the way it is, China will have a lot more opportunities to get other Russian things. Like one of the things recently I, I heard about was because Biden has decided to ban imports of titanium from Russia into the United States, which has been providing almost half the titanium that's used in U.S. production, Russia's going to start selling it to China. And China will be selling Russian titanium to the U.S., which I guess is okay. Yeah, at a markup. Well, of course. And, you know, the the outsourcing of our manufacturing to China is so inexcusable. So a perfect example of this is a while back, I got, I got my son a set of army men, you know, off of Amazon. Right? You know, just a little plastic army men. Are those you know, still legal? I didn't realize they were still legal. Right. And uh, anyway, I just got a notice from Amazon this week that, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, those are being recalled because of phthalate and lead content. Oh, my God. Who gives a shit? When I was a kid, we played with lead army men. They were literally made of lead because it's soft oh, and easy pewter, to work with. Pewter, yeah. Whatever. Same difference. It's, no, it's a like bit difference. They're still not good for you. Yeah. It's Anyway, so it's just like. But the the point is, it's a good being sold in the U.S. that is supposed to be made to a certain specification to meet U.S. regulatory and everything else. And the Chinese just are – yes, they are capable of decent manufacturing, but they – cut corners it's just a cultural thing with them you know john makes the joke all the time best price you know mm-hmm. it's just well I'll there's tell no you, pride in workmanship this is a good a good transition into talking about the uh, the first new product coming out that that i'm getting done in china of course okay so we're, we're pimping yeah we're, pimping we're gonna start stuff pimping on this here. on every episode i think Okay, so when, when do I get we'll my see. kickback? Yeah, well, you'll you'll get a free sample. Okay. Oh, free sample for you, free sample. <laughs> best price, best price. Yeah. No, so that so I've kind of hinted about stuff. I haven't gotten into any details, and I really tried not to talk too much about it yesterday on Unrelenting, just to save it for this show. But I've got the first batch of products now in my garage. So, Woo-hoo. yeah, which is pretty cool. It's it's not a huge amount, but you know, because I 
can't wait because I don't have patience. I had this stuff airshipped from China, which is in itself funny because, you know, that added like 50% more to the price of the product per each item because airshipping is fucking expensive compared to normal shipping. Well, but yeah. here's the, the really funny thing is with airshipping, it still took a month. How? Now, well, Just because took, of it, logistics it took, and getting in line? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It took wow. overnight to get the stuff actually shipped, right, yeah. by plane. And then it sat for about a week in customs. And then it sat for another week at the importer. And then finally got shipped from them using what? FedEx Ground, the cheapest shipping method. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if I'm importing shit via plane, guys, do you think it makes sense to then ship it ground <laughs> when it's in the U.S.? Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. So, yeah, this is not a super fast process by any means well um, i think that's why you see the such a lag in the supply chain that a lot of people yeah. don't realize is that it it does take a long time it takes a while it takes a while and here the the history of this product too is this is sort of this is our test product meaning this is seeing how well the factory can manufacture everything to spec blah 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 and if everything is good then we'll make our next product in the same factory. So this product is going to be totally useful, and it's uh, you know it's got some interesting features on it, but it is not a completely from scratch designed set of products like the next few are going to be. This is this is as much of a test of the capabilities of them manufacturing this stuff as it is anything else for us. Are you um, going to tell us what the product is? Yeah, I mean, I can. I guess I was trying to decide whether I want to go full-blown into details about it or wait until I can post something on No Agenda and then talk about it on the following episode. Well, then um, wait if you want. Yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be easier if I wait one more episode okay. to talk about it, and then I can refer people with photos, and I can actually include some photos in the podcast edit as well. So if you're using one of them newfangled podcasting 2.0 apps, which everybody should be podcasting, what, what's the website Adam says all the time? Newpodcastapps.com. That's the one, newpodcastapps.com. For anybody using one of those apps, you'll actually see the photo on your iPhone screen when you're listening to the podcast. Or your Android, and that's yeah. if you're looking at your screen and Gene does the chapters right. I'll do the chapters right. I, the only reason I don't do chapters much these days is because we switch topics a lot, and I don't track what topic we're on, so I yeah. don't really I mean, bother. It would have you'd have to either we're be not doing, doing time codes. And, yeah, we're yeah. not really doing a news show, so I don't no. feel like chapters are as important. You're just getting entertainment here, yeah. or quasi entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of news, I guess. But anyway, so you went to your conferences. Sorry, we kind of sidetracked all off off of all this stuff. Oh, one more comment before we go back to your stuff. It, it, so we're talking about Coca-Cola and cocaine. So mm -hmm. in this video game, I think this is absolutely brilliant, is they have Nicola. That's the brand name <laughs> of the cola, which is a, a cola with nicotine. Okay. It's not just absolutely next level brilliant to put nicotine into cola. I I guess. I mean, I think, I don't understand why they're not doing this in the real world. Honestly, because it's one of the most addictive substances that we've discovered. 
And the bad parts of cigarettes are not the nicotine. It's all the other crap that comes from the, the fact that it, you're, you're burning a plant in front of your face. I mean, oh, well, actually, I would say that it's the additives in the cigarettes that are the harmful thing. I think but it's if not you look the nicotine, at, is my point. Right. But I think if you look at like cancer rates of cigar smokers or pipe smokers mm-hmm. or, you know, lots of They're different lower. things. Yeah. F- phenomenally lower. It's what yeah. cigarettes are the problem. And it's the paper, clearly. The paper, the bleach, the formaldehyde, the 120 yeah. hey, some odd chemicals that are added for flavor and preservatives. Keeps you, keeps you young. Yeah. Anyway, I've never been a cigarette smoker though, so that's just me. Yeah. Just not. But I, 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 I do enjoy tobacco, and you know, it's never been very addictive to me. Oh, I don't know about that. Why? Seems to be sucking down that shit all the time. Yeah, but also I walk away for a week, and I'm not like, yeah, I gotta have it. So I guess, yeah, that's probably true. But nicotine is pretty addicting. I mean, if you're sucking down, it doesn't matter what form of tobacco you're getting some of it. Yeah, yeah, but my my point is, it, 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 <laughs> wait, are you breathing that shit in, or are you just puffing it with your mouth? No, you're breathing it in. Oh, that's disgusting. Why? Ah, I just don't want anything in my lungs that that isn't air. Okay. Anyway, regardless, the point is, it's you can be addicted to you know sugar, you can be addicted to heroin, you can be addicted to nicotine. It's more about the personality than it is the substance in my mind. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think the addiction to heroin and nicotine is a physical, not a physiological one. So your your addiction is chemical. And I think that putting nicotine into cola would do wonders to get people even more addicted to cola than they have been on sugar. But, Gene, it all comes down, and maybe part of it's genetics, because some people can quit oh, yeah, stuff yeah, cold totally. turkey and Absolutely. walk away and be yeah. fine. yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Genetics plays a a large part of it, but as far as the addiction of the substance, nicotine is pretty high up there. And as far as I'm aware, like any cancer or any other risks associated with smoking is not true of just nicotine itself. So you can like stick a nicotine patch on yourself and get a buzz and then you're going to need that patch for forever. Or if you stop using the patch, it's going to be really difficult for you for a while until your body gets used to not having it. But you're not increasing your odds of any kind of... Well, know. California and other states would say that it's a carcinogen, but I think the... It's not a carcinogen. I, well, I, uh, lots of... California thinks that, that carbon yeah. dioxide is a carcinogen. Exactly. They literally do. They label carbon dioxide installations as carcinogenic. Yeah. They're idiots. Well, a a lot of people are, but... uh, You know what the biggest carcinogen is? Oxygen. And that's scientifically true. If you put somebody into pure oxygen atmosphere, their odds of getting cancer just skyrocket. Well, lots of things go wrong because you're not made to live in a pure oxygen atmosphere. But yeah, Cancers are definitely, you know, oxid- oxidization is part of the problem with cancer. That's, you know, why we say antioxidants are good for you, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But anyway, yeah. we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> but yes, your game has nicotine in the Coca-Cola. It's Got brilliant. It. It's fucking brilliant. All right. Anyway, talk about your conference thing. <laughs> I the, There was just, the, the first one was way more political and 
way more spooks and everything else. The uh, the second one was a more public conference. Ran into a, a lot of a lot of old colleagues that I hadn't seen really since COVID. Uh, dude's name Ben. Yeah, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of dudes named Ben. A lot of a lot of a lot of people from the Black Hat days, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other conferences. So it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. Had a pretty interesting debate with this guy who's got a startup that's he's trying to solve some of the authentication issues and. You know, he started describing his solution and I said, you know, I, I don't know if this will piss you off or not, but uh, it sounds like you're modifying GRC's squirrel, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, GRC, he's a, he's an interesting character because he's, he, he's full of FUD a lot of times, but every now mm-hmm. and then he gets a few things right and people shouldn't ignore him on everything. And I think squirrel's actually not a bad solution with a few tweaks, so Anyway, it was just some interesting stuff. It was good to get back out in the community. So for those of us, myself included, who don't know what the fuck GRC Squirrel is, what is it? So GRC is Steve Gibson. Uh, oh, 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 the, yeah, yeah. 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 Steve, Steve, Steve Gibson, Gibson, I mean, that he just has always gone by GRC in the community. And Squirrel is SQRL. It's a yeah, method. secure, quick, reliable login. Right, right. And yep. it's using basically TLS and Anonce to authenticate mm-hmm. you cryptographically. And this guy's doing something similar, except he's commercializing it and adding a few other features that are pretty interesting. So, yeah. Hmm. So, what do you think of Steve Gibson? It, uh, from what standpoint? <laughs> well, my opinion, I'll tell you my take. And, and, and keep in mind, I've been out of that community for like, 15 years so mm-hmm. but well like i just a, said i basically said that you may take this as an insult to the guy so that yeah, should tell yeah, you a yeah. lot of what i think but as as of what i recall of steve from the early 2000s time frame and before mm-hmm. is i think he's a, a brilliant developer but he's not a security guy so i mean define security guy you know he did not ever have a job working with security he never had a clearance. He never had anything that was associated with with ensuring the CIA of information. Uh, okay. He, so, his big product was Spinrite. Right. He's, which a lot of people would oil, would argue is snake oil, but uh, I, yeah, you're, yeah. you're not old enough. Um, because, but I've used it. But I've well, used but, it. It's sna- I, yeah. I would say it is mostly snake oil, but it's also been drives, something yes. that's... Yeah, but it is something that back in the day... Mm-hmm. Did give you a well, holy you were, shit. <laughs> well, when you were I fucked up and well, give when you a you second were, chance. When you were fixing sector alignment on a drive or you know doing yeah. things like that back when that was a thing on hard drives. Today yeah, it's in the 90s. really not. Yes. That, that's no a whole different set today. of features. It's all SSDs these days. Oh please, hard drives are still a thing. Nah, nobody uses hard drives. I haven't seen a hard drive in hard 10, 15 years. I use hard drives. Oh my god. For raw storage in my NAS, yeah. why would I not? Uh, anyway, SSDs are so cheap right now. Yeah, but they're not as reliable. And oh, if you if you that. get the reliable SSDs, then you're paying out the ass. Yeah, yeah. You can do an SSD raid. You can, but anyway, the failure rates on SSD. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, my thoughts of GRC yeah. are, you know, he he. Takes tries to take credit for finding the first malware. We can debate that. Definitely, but he did, it did not. Yeah, but he 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 did. You know, 
notice a few things and get some things out there. The raw sockets mm-hmm. argument that he made on bringing raw sockets to windows is absolute FUD and asinine that he ever went down that road. You know, I think that he does have a security mindset, but he's never, he's never made his living off of security until he started doing security now with Leo podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. he, he can read and observe. And sometimes his commentary is good. Sometimes it's not, you know, I think URL is a decent attempt at something. I think it didn't get adoption, but I think the underlying mm-hmm. protocol is actually a pretty interesting thing. And I think with someone like this guy that I met taking it and running with it is not a bad thing. You know, I, I think some of his takes on Fido and other things are anyway, it, he's a mixed bag at best. Um, but as a he's a very good I, developer. I mean, I will give him that because writing driver level stuff is something yeah. that very, very few people get into. Well, I mean, first of all, he still develops in Assembly. basic assembler. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's down at the machine level and mm-hmm. doing things, you know, hell, even his website, you know, he, the menu he created, you know, without using JavaScript at the time was tremendous you know he he has a mindset and does do a few good things here and there absolutely he is very much in the line of the old school developers that i remember from the 80s and 90s and and that you know that like i said i i absolutely think that he's good at and he's Mm -hmm. he he needs to be given the kudos for it but I've just heard way too much bullshit from him when it comes to security to ever consider him. This was literally, I remember talking about Steve Gibson on a, a security focused podcast that I did mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, like not long after Adam created podcasting. We had a podcast called Sec This, SEC This. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was a round table of a bunch of us that, we're all certified security professionals and Steve Gimson came up a few times on there and in every instance pointing out where he's wrong. Yeah. And you know, I'll say this, like I'm on his website right now, just looking at things mm-hmm. like, you know, shields up. <laughs> okay. The uh, password haystacks work that he did, I thought was pretty good. You know, the perfect passwords that he did. Okay. That's decent. The perfect paper passwords as a methodology is pretty solid. But, you know, when you get past that, you start falling off pretty quick. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you've got SQRL, which is pretty cool in a lot of ways. But again, it starts falling off pretty quick. Some of his arguments around NAT, I don't think he really understands how a full stateful firewall works fully. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there, especially when we his arguments around NATing and what your firewall should look like and everything else. You know, anyone who's not doing opt-in you know, block by default, bi-directionally, is just not in the modern era. Can you not do that even? I'm sorry? Like, how do you not do that? Exactly. Well, generally, most most residential routers and everything allow anything outbound. It's just inbound that's, you know, Mm -hmm. using a staple firewall connection. For you to establish, you'd have to open up ports coming in to allow something in. That that said, you know... uh, Break and inspect exists. There are lots of ways of doing things. So there's all kinds of crap that you don't know. Like, for example, I just noticed yesterday because I was looking through some logs that Adobe is responsible for like 60 gigs of traffic to my computer. Or actually, I don't even know which computer on my network. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have any Adobe software installed. And mm-hmm. so I started tracking things down. Turns out I do have Acrobat installed. And fucking Acrobat is like talking back to Mothership all the time. Oh, yeah. Lots of stuff does. But, you know, that's why you've got to control the outbound narrative, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, um, so my thoughts of GRC is that he jumps to conclusions and is often wrong and has brought a lot of ridicule on himself. But I, you know, here's the thing. I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because he's done yeah. some good stuff too. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. I wouldn't have never met him. Oh, he's a buddy of Leo's, so he's got to be a nice guy. Yeah. I've never met him either, though. But uh, I met Leo a few times. He's a nice guy. Yeah, Leo's definitely, I mean, I don't know. The way Leo turned on John on a few things, it's like, yeah, dude, well, John, John helped make mindset. your career. Oh, totally. Totally. He was, John, John got Leo to go into radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, led to all the, of course, now I think Leo's kind of hit us peak a few years back. I think that, that they've, their empire is not where it once was, their media empire, but I don't know. I, I I do think that he was a dick in the way he acted towards John. You know, he banned Adam very quickly. <laughs> yeah, Adam flashed a gun and it was like, oh my God, dude, uh-huh. he's remote. <laughs> yeah. What difference does it make? Why well, are you and, afraid? And even if he wasn't, it, who cares? So what, is he a criminal that's not allowed to have guns? What's the problem? <sighs> guns are bad, Gene, don't you know? Yeah, well, did you see, speaking of guns, that, that the the Grand Emperor of Canada just banned all guns. I did not see this. How is oh, he Oh, you doing didn't that? see this. Yes. No. Yes. Trudeau just announced that all sale, transition, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. Shit, I wish I would have had the, had the page up so I could tell you exactly. But effectively, he has declared that guns are illegal in Canada now. It's all handgun. All handguns. All handguns. Yeah. Hand, well, in Canada already has yeah. got... He, he was making bands. moves towards that to begin with already. So, um, that, oh, yeah. We, yeah. we kind of knew that was coming. Actually, but well, when you I say all I guns, didn't realize it was different. coming. I didn't realize it was coming yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was yesterday either. But uh, no, what's her name? Was, the Canadian broadcaster. Shit. I mean, I'm, when you. Anyway, go ahead. When, when you have somebody that's done what he's done with COVID mm-hmm. and is now just declared. Essentially, a ban on sale well, of all Canadians, handguns. Canadians all transfer guns. Canadians already have to have all guns registered and transferred, and so on and so and forth. And they can I only mean, have five rounds in the magazine. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the Canadians have allowed such restrictions on themselves that it's mm-hmm. not even funny. And the only hope a country ever has of preventing that is to never go mm-hmm. down that road to begin with. Sometimes I think the U.S. has gone too far, but then I look at Canada and I'm like, yeah, no, we've still got a little wiggle room here. Yeah, but, but I mean. When you when you disallow <clears throat> handguns, this is mm-hmm. I don't know what what you can call it other than tyrannical. Well, I mean, the handguns are the primary mode of protection, right? They are inherent. Yeah. A handgun is a defensive weapon. It is because if you're going to be offensive, you'll find something better, like a rifle. Yes, or a shotgun. Anyway, well, I mean, Canada has got to deal with their Trudeau issue. They have to. 
they have to have a come to Jesus moment and figure out I don't where, know what who they want to be in Canada, dude, because it, they've literally elected an emperor. Well, I, I don't know about an emperor, but I mean, do you think he's ever leaving? He's uh, never leaving. He's there permanently. Okay. Yeah. Why do you say that? Oh, it's pretty obvious. The guy has got, like, he's not worried about anything. He can do anything he wants. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. You see, I, you see him, and remember, their system is not like ours where there's a four right. year limit. I understand. It's a parliamentary he can literally system. Be he can call the, the election when he for wants. the rest of his life. No, there, there's a limit on how long. Uh, I think it's Are you 10 sure? years. Yeah. I think it's the same as Great Britain. All right, so 10 years, and then he changes the law before, right before that happens and decides to make it 20 years. I mean, I don't trust this fucker. I, think I don't either. The, he is dangerous. He yes. is beyond just bad politics. He is in a dangerous level. But he's dangerous only because of his own stupidity. I wouldn't say and, that he's necessarily he's malicious. Just dangerous to He truly believes Canada. what he's doing. He does believe what he's doing, but I think he... I think he's not just dangerous to Canada. How so? I think that Canada... How's our border with Canada doing, man? Is it is it any better than Mexico right now? I think well, there's I mean, all kinds of unguarded. shit coming in from Canada. Yeah. It's totally unguarded. I don't, yeah. I don't trust that. I don't trust those fuckers. I think we need to start looking at uh, getting Canada shored up. What was the uh, parallel that the war of 1812 was over that we ended up not getting to 45 or fight. Wasn't that it? I don't know. What do you, I'm, I'm lost. For, uh, 44 oh, or fight. Par- yeah. 44. Yeah. yeah. 44th. Yeah. 44th yeah. or fight was the Elgin, which we didn't quite make it to, but you know, Hey, maybe we should have, maybe uh, we should renew that. 44th is still in the U S though. That's not Canada. Or 54. Sorry. 54. Yeah. Like Not 44. 54. Yeah. 54. What, are you going to give away Minnesota? <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty useless anyway. Hey, now. <laughs> that's that's where all the Somalis are sent to. There's got to be. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, shit, man, with what we're about to do in Haiti and, Dude, you know. This is, yeah. Let's talk about that. We haven't talked about any of these topics. Haiti. Yeah. The, the, the occupation of Haiti's. About to commence. I think I think it's going to be pretty bad. And I think, here's the other thing. Well, we're starting by sending arms to the government. I don't think this will be sat out by China or Russia. <laughs> I think that this is, the, you want to talk about Ukraine? How about we have a little conflict in Haiti? A lot closer to the U.S. Yeah. Because if I'm either one of those two countries right now, hell, if I'm even a few of the countries in the Middle East, I will be providing everything that I can get away with to but Haiti right now. I mean, the difference is, you know, there's a land bridge to from an ally to Ukraine. So we drop how far arms is how in far Poland. is Haiti from Canada? Or sorry, Canada from Mexico. I don't know the nautical distance, but it's you still point. have international waters in between, and you exactly. have the they're international waters. What right, is the US but you start have sinking ships. Yes. Oh, I'd love to see that happen. When the first the US Chinese absolutely ship gets will, sunk, no, the, the U.S. Would, can absolutely blockade yeah, the, the blockade of Haiti could happen. Yeah, yeah, that could happen, and I think that'll have a great result in having even more of the countries of the world see the U.S. for what it actually is today, which is a tyrant. 
Okay. It's a it's a monopolar tyrant. If the U.S. is blockading Haiti, I mean, I don't think there's any better marketing you can have against the U.S. than that. Why is that? Because it it demonstrates the fact that for the U.S., it is about occupation and control and not about any kind of freedom or diversity or any of that bullshit that they talk about. Well, we could also make the argument that we're not going to allow China and Russia and anyone else interfere. You know, we could sit there and claim the Monroe Doctrine. And there say, is no yeah, Monroe no. Doctrine. That went out the window with Ukraine. No more Monroe Doctrine. <laughs> well, you know. No, you have a hard time accepting this, and I've talked about it before, but my prediction is still that Mexico is going to end up belonging to China. Well, with the Belt and Road Initiative, they're certainly on their way. Because Mexico is getting benefit from China that it's not getting from the U.S. Agreed. So I think the U.S. is going to end up losing any kind of real control in the Western Hemisphere that it's enjoyed for 100 years, politically, not through warfare. I, I but once that I happens, can see the North American Union being a goal of a lot of globalists and... You know, oh, it's that's a goal still of the globalists, but remember when, when there was a, and what do they call it, the America's conference that uh -huh. was held recently where the U.S. uninvited Cuba, uh -huh. and then Mexico and a bunch of other countries didn't go because they think that's bullshit? Yes. Yeah. The U.S. is not the leader of the Americas anymore. Well, Mexico's a failed narco state, so... And you keep saying that like it means something. A failed narco well, state does. apparently is now in a better position to determine the future of Americas than the United States is. I disagree. I don't think it was... I don't think it was consequential that the Mexicans didn't go. Well, I... I'm being dismissive of that. Yeah, you're being dismissive of it, but it, it, that's, that's like saying, well, we don't care if, if Saudi Arabia doesn't sell oil to the u.s anymore because we don't care okay well you don't that, care but that, the rest of the world cares that's a very different stance but yes I, mexico is the you know it's it, it's bigger than the vast majority of other countries in north and south america there's just a handful of countries that are bigger so oh. i think mexico is pretty significant to an extent, yes. The manufacturing base in Mexico has been diminished greatly over the last couple of decades. Not it's, as much as the U.S. by U.S. has uh, 100%. been 100% in terms of... <laughs> I, I, uh, yes, in, in absolute numbers, 100%. You know, the U.S. manufacturing capacity still exceeds that of Mexico. It's just cost of goods and, you know, things like that. But I don't know, man. I, I think if China Mexico's really starts to interfere... Mexico's the third largest country in, in the Western Hemisphere. Are you sure? Yep. I would think Brazil would be larger. Brazil is second. U.S. is first. Canada should be... Canada's big. No, Canada has no population. I'm talking population I'm not talking size. about population. I'm talking about area. Area is irrelevant. It's the population that matters. Okay. I, why is that? Why is that? Because population is, is what the productivity of the country is tied to it's not the size of the country well china is way smaller than the, the united states but it's got way more people and it's got way more productivity china is geographically larger than the united states no it isn't it's smaller okay all right keep talking right, while i know i'm gonna have to google this so you talk okay go ahead google oh you want me to talk okay well the point is i think i've been predicting this and I, i'm not the only one that China is going to be the big foothold that America doesn't recognize is actually there. China. Mexico is going to be the Chinese foothold 
Okay, only because of Alaska is the U.S. larger. So if you stick China on top of the United States, China is physically larger? Than the continental U.S., yeah. Are you sure about that? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, how many square miles? So China with -hmm. with Alaska is 97% of the U.S. Really? Well, that's surprising. I thought China was smaller than the U.S. Just the I mean, portion. so comparable land masses if you count Alaska. Hmm. Well, which according to you is going back to Russia. So yeah, it, that's going to end up in the Russian hands eventually. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Holy shit! You're right. I thought China was smaller. I that's my my bad. So China is basically the U.S. plus Quebec. Mm-hmm. If you overlay them, because the the shape, the way China looks. Sorry, wow. I wasn't trying to derail. I was just no, no, no. Yeah. That's a good, no, that's a good catch. I, I see. I always thought that China just looked bigger on maps because of the projection, yeah. right, 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 and that it was actually about the same size. I didn't think it was smaller, but I thought it was about the same size as the U.S. But okay. yeah, no, you're right. It is actually significantly bigger than the continental U.S. for sure. Yes. Well, in that case, then China is really even more stronger because i i thought they were crowding in more people in the smaller space but they're really not well they are and part of what you have to realize is how much of the country is desert and you you know also you know mongolia and all that so that mm-hmm. their 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 population density where they you know have population density is pretty damn high you know their cities are way yeah but way so is ours if you look at the population of the u.s the vast majority of the people live within 100 miles of the coastline yeah, absolutely. But still, we the yeah. they we have more large cities than they do. Is yeah. the point? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the overall population density is pretty dense. When you look at natural resources, though, mm-hmm. you know China, the you know it's kind of like it's kind of like Australia. You've got that great inland desert that really is not usable area. Until right? they There's find not much something you, there. I'm sorry. Until they find something there. And then do a geoengineering project to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, make it hospitable enough to go in and do something, sure. But the U.S. has a great deal of resources, and the majority of the continental U.S. is habitable habitable land. Mm-hmm. You know, without, you know, you, you've got some desert area that's pretty inhabitable. But other than that, you know, well, you there aren't the, many the places Rocky that are mountains that are not horribly habitable, but. That why do you think the Rocky Mountains are not habitable? That's too fucking cold and high and stuff in there. The Appalachians are okay, but the Rockies are they're too jaggedy. I lived in the Rockies, and you could. I I disagree with that statement very wholeheartedly. But yeah, I I don't think they're meant for human consumption. There, Mm -hmm. says the guy from Minnesota. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Flat and cold. uh, People need to live in places with just water everywhere. Yeah, it gets very cold. No, thank you. Yeah, um, what? It doesn't get cold in the Rocky Mountains? Come on, whatever. It, I mean, depends on where you're at. So, where um, well, you were? What in Idaho? Yeah, North Central yeah, Idaho. That's cold. How cold did uh, it get? The coldest it ever got when I was the ten years I lived there was 15 below for a brief period of time. Yeah. But you know, well, we rarely. We rarely got below zero. You know, we'd get down into the teens and tens for a period of time, but that's about it. We would only average about four foot of snow or so a year, 30 some odd inches of rainfall total. So huh. somewhat of a that's high desert dry. sort of scenario. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, Minnesota did get colder. I mean, it's usually 40 below every year. Yeah. 
but so let's talk habitability. Yeah, I mean, but it's you know, it's it's a it's a dry cold. Okay. Anyway, the 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 purpose of this conversation was to talk about the resources that can be brought to bear. And yeah. I don't think Mexico can utilize the resources that they have. One, because of, yes, they may have the population, but they do not have the skilled labor. So when it comes to like the oil extraction that they need, they have to import labor to do that. You know, it's kind of funny because there is a labor exchange between Mexico and the U.S. It's skilled labor going down there to help and it's unskilled labor coming up here to help. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting trade. Yeah. I think if Mexico was... Part of the, not that it should be, but if it was part of the United States, I think that the United States would be even more self-sufficient. Agreed, because they do have a lot of natural resources, but not the educated yeah. population in order to extract them. Well, but the, the, the reason is because they, they could have been agrarian for a lot longer than people in the United States. As yes. that there, there's, you know, the, the skilled labor that you talk about comes from need, not out of randomness. And... The need for more of that was in the United States, whereas in warmer countries and warmer climates, including Mexico, like you can just get away with being an agrarian. Yeah, and and you also have the political history of Mexico, right? But well, yes, you do. But it's it's not horribly different. It's just that it was Spanish conquered territory instead of English conquered territory. Well, I mean, you also had. The Emperor Maximilian. I mean, there, there's lots of stuff with that. The 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 Mexicans didn't get their. I would argue the Mexicans have never really gotten their freedom. You know, they they have never had really a true democracy or democratic republic mm-hmm. of any kind. It, it has always been a either monarch or absolutely corrupted government. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they – I don't know Mexican history enough to state it flat out, but I cannot remember or have ever had the impression that Mexico had a stable government. When's the last time the United States didn't, didn't have a corrupt government? Well, it depends on the level of corruption you're talking about. I would argue that the level of corruption in the Mexican government far and away exceeds the level of corruption in the U.S. government today. Do you, do you prefer a corruption that's fully acknowledged or a corruption that is pretended not to? Well, the Mexican government's corruption is only fully acknowledged because it is so blatant that it cannot be denied. Yeah, I, I think the view of the corruption in the United States by the rest of the world is much greater than it is by people that they're living here and, and are buying the lie. Well, I mean, I don't think I buy the lie. You can't have... A government that's not corrupted with politicians that have been in office for 40 years. Well, yeah, and you could say that you can't have a, you know, a politician in office for 40 years if they can't do insider trading and become wealthy off of it. It's just one of the elements. But you, but also, I just don't buy for a minute that somebody can be in office for that long without elections being completely caught. I can. I, I think if you look at Nancy Pelosi in the district mm-hmm. she's in, I, yep. you know, uh, anyone with a D next to their name in that district is going to win. And That's because they can't lose. Right. But I don't yep. think that's because of it being called. I think that's because of the lunacy of the district. I think regardless of what the people there would actually want, that that D guarantees still a win. And as much in the United States as anything, it's ensuring that the people that are in 
power in office stay in office. You don't have somebody within the party rising up to challenge another, you know, person that's not doing a great job for yeah, the people it, of the district. Well, and so that's that's a whole other thing is the amount of money that's in politics that is made. Yeah, we call it money. Know. Other countries call it corruption. I mean, direct bribes versus insider trading versus, you know, there's lots of things. I'm not saying that the U.S. isn't a corrupt country. We the, very much the are. The way that the, the parties control who gets to run under their logo. Uh, well, I mean, party affiliation should be banned from the ballot. The problem there mm-hmm. is, you know, we have freedom of speech and freedom of association. Association. Mm-hmm. And do you want to sacrifice those things for potentially a more educated voter? So this is the whole thing. I, if you, my, if you I, are only voting D or R, you should yeah. not be voting. Totally it's, agree. It's, it's wrong. I, I've said this before. I don't think it practically is doable, but I still think it's a good idea is that the ballot that you get should be blank with just the positions and you write in who you want for that position. So anybody that doesn't know who the fuck to vote for leaves it blank and it doesn't count. Well, and you know, in the state of Texas, one of the things I personally do is I refuse to vote for anyone who's running unopposed. Oh yeah. 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 I do the same thing. And I, and and, part of that's because I also don't vote for anyone that's an incumbent. Anybody who's got an eye next to them. I just don't vote for them. So I, I, I don't care if they're the incumbent or not. I'm going to vote for who I think I should vote for. But what I would say there is I never vote straight ticket. You know, mm-hmm. I don't go, oh, Republicans, yes. No, I'm going name by name. And you know, here's the other thing. If there's a race that a... I don't know about, I won't yeah. do it. I won't vote yeah, yeah. I'll vote for the guy usually. But other than that, uh, yeah. If, they, if it's an incumbent, I'm not going to vote for him. What if it's an incumbent versus a woman? Oh, shit. Well, yeah, that's a tough one. So, <laughs> man, I got to think about that one. Oh. Yes. Gene at You know, uh, we give out that address. Nobody ever sends anything. I, You know what's funny is I get more to mine and people you have to hunt do. for it. Yeah. You probably do. Yeah. Uh, no, that's true. But, yeah, I, I think that, well, everybody knows that, that obviously if I'm saying this shit, I've got a big smile on my face. Like that comes mm-hmm. through, I think, in my communication. But but I don't know, man. I, I just, I think that there, in some ways, it doesn't really even matter what you vote for because the the results are in before the elections take place. Mm. I just don't trust the whole system. The whole system is fucked up. And, and the more you hear about it, including the move to the machines that we had, the voter machines... It just makes you more and more suspicious and thinking that it is all bullshit. The, the vote really does not matter. Well, it's you know, the, been determined pre here, pre event. Here, here's the. I'm good with voting machines, but the voting machines I like are the ones with the scantron, where mm-hmm. it's a scantron ballot that you fill out with a pencil and you run it through the machine. The machine can tally it, but yeah. there's a paper ballot to go back to. Well, the the last time I voted here in Austin, it was a computerized machine. Yep. And it spit out a piece of paper mm-hmm. that was coded mm-hmm. that you then picked up and brought over 10 feet to a yep. different machine that sucked in your piece of paper and yep. then actually tallied your vote. Yep. But here's the thing. So <laughs> what's interesting is the machine that's – so the system that you're using there, the system that's counting the votes is supposed to be isolated. Mm-hmm. The machines that are you're actually placing your votes on 
are mm -hmm. less isolated. And the argument is, well, the system that's actually doing the tallying is the one that matters from a security standpoint. Mm -hmm. Well, except, you know, again, it's coded on there and right. not necessarily human readable. So I just think it's 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 about time we just have an iPhone app that lets you vote. Oh, God, no, Gene. Yeah, no. only people with iPhones, no Androids. And yeah, screw that. Um, you have to write in, you have to type I, in the name of the people you're voting for. You can't, you, you don't see them in the app. Yeah, but then when you misspell something or whatever, what I would exactly. say, what I would Tough say, it, here, here's what I would say. I would be willing to give up the, you know, the secret ballot in order to have the elections, you know, more verifiable. So Ben, are these the people who you voted for? Yes. I would give up a secret ballot for that. Yeah, and I think that's fine until you get into a government like Canada where you're not allowed to say that you voted for anybody other than Justin Trudeau. Or Khrushchev or, or whoever. Yeah. Or whoever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I the the secret ballot thing I think only makes sense if people well, would people vote from differently. being intimidated. Yeah, if they would vote differently if it was public. You and I, it's not gonna matter because we're we don't give a shit. So yeah. we're going to vote the same way, whether it's secret or not. I have no problem telling people who I voted for. You know, it, it's, and I, I have, voted. I have no problem I've, telling people Donald Trump was the first and only Republican I've ever voted for for president. Yeah. And I, I have no problem saying I voted for George Bush, but it's. Depending on it, which one, I may ridicule you for that. <laughs> no, it's worse than that. I voted for both of them. But I also voted for Ross Perot. There you go. You've redeemed yeah. yourself some. Exactly. So, which my my God, has there ever been a presidential candidate that was more accurate in his predictions? Yeah, I he just too bad he was goofy looking. And he <laughs> goofy looking, and then like the Texan. charts, you know. But the charts were good. I like yeah. the charts. Do you I hear that sucking sound coming out of Mexico? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Ross oh. it, Ross Perot was what I think John thinks all Texans sound like. Hey. Very smart individual, man. Yeah. He made well, his money. Built fucking EDS. Yeah. So owned pretty much all the land back when I lived in Dallas that I was on, Plano and Frisco. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the Fort Worth Airport's still named after him. Love Field? Oh, no. Fort Worth. Fort, Fort Worth. Worth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he was an interesting character. I I definitely thought that, but the the problem is because I voted for him. We got Bill Clinton. I, you know, you say that, but I, Daddy Bush was just such a bad president. And I agree. That's why I didn't vote for him, because he lied. Motherfucker lied about taxes. Oh, yeah. No, and that, that's read what Read my him. lips. No new taxes. My, yeah. Well, Dumbass. He's from a family that tried to overthrow the U.S. government. What do you expect? He's Yeah, but that's not a CIA. bad thing. I mean, a lot of people may end up being from families that overthrow the U.S. government. In fact, your family kind of tried to do that in the, well... I guess you could say a a secession is not an overthrow. Correct. They yeah. just wanted to be left eh. alone. Yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> I think an overthrow of the U.S. government would have been a good thing during the Civil War. During the Civil War, sure. During the you know 1930s, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I didn't really like who was in the government in the 1930s. Right, but the people they were wanting to support, I like less. Mm -hmm. I mean... Seriously, the, the anyway, well, I don't the, even know. the times of the American trying, Nazi Party there they, and everything else. Oh, Nazi Party, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they would have kept us out of World War II. Or gotten us in on the side of Germany. I don't think that would have been that a good would thing. be equivalent to. 
It's not a World War II. I mean, without the U.S. support, England and the rest of Europe would have been completely flipped, like, within a year. I I mean, again, I think if you take away Churchill, World War II probably doesn't happen. Yeah. And I don't think that Hitler would have tried to be as expansionist as he ended up being. Maybe that's my naivete. People would say, oh, no, he wanted to rule the world. He never said that. No. You know, show show me where in any of his writing speeches or anything else that he say that the Third Reich will rule the world. Yeah, yeah. That, no, I, that was I, never I, a stated goal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, <laughs> it's great. We we get to a point in the episode where we're talking about the benefits of Hitler. Awesome. <laughs> no, I'm not um, talking. Not saying he's a good guy. I'm just saying <laughs> it is propaganda to yeah. sit there and say that the Nazis just wanted to take over the world. Really? Yeah, where'd they, I, so where'd they say really, that? Where was that a statement? Really, goal? we ought to blame Churchill for the 20 million Russians that died in World War II. Yeah, I mean, there's if a, you would have stopped in Poland, yeah. then Russia would have not been invaded. There's a great, well, and it wasn't even all of Poland. He was not trying to take over all of Poland. You know, there there was a German contingent in there. There was, there there is no such thing as a innocent nation. And that's what people need to realize. It, it, there's just not. And there are varying degrees of evil and everything else. And I think that then the Nazi party, I would never want to live under that. I don't think they're good guys. I think yeah, let me ask any you totalitarianism this. is bad. From a alternate history's perspective, what if we yeah. had Hitler just like Hitler, but he didn't associate his mom dying with a Jewish doctor being the cause of that, and he didn't have this whole hang-up about Jews. He was just pro-Germany and not about anti-Jew. Well, How I much think would that st- have changed the perspective on who Hitler is? Well, but you have to realize that the anti-Semitism that he exerts was not really controversial at the time. Yeah, it wasn't unique at all. I mean, it was convenient. But yeah, Henry also, Ford was a major anti-Semite. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's no Jews working at Ford Motor Company back in the day. Absolutely. Um, Same thing I mean, with Walt Disney. Walt Disney, major Nazi. A well, very uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Ford even published in some of his publications the mm-hmm. Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of different takes on that. And the fact of the matter is the world was anti-Semitic at the time. Yeah, it, and, it totally was. But let's say that yeah. that he wasn't, that he like literally, I don't want to make him pro-Jew, but let's just say that he was less anti-Semitic than many other people. And like this idea of the Jews being responsible for anything never came up. It was, it was more. He let's say he was more honest, or he saw more of what we see historically now, which was that it was England and a lot of the the Rockefellers and the the yeah yeah well exactly the United States and and the UK that was more responsible for what Germany ended up having to deal with post World War One and that. Germany deserves better, its people deserve better, and oh, by the way, we'd like our country back that was stolen from us after World War One. Yeah, I, and there are lots, of, we could do lots of alternative histories here. I think if you did not end up with the war, if you didn't have Churchill needing to solidify his power, and basically the way a lot of U.S. modern presidents need a war to solidify their power, pretty much everyone in my lifetime but Trump, Mm. had you not had the personal side of 
Churchill pushing him towards that, I think you would think very differently on what transpired. I I think you can read books by, you know, and people will say David Irving, for instance, is a Holocaust denier. Well, Mm -hmm. to an extent he is, but, you know, he makes some interesting points and I don't know the truth. All I know about World War II is that the propaganda on both sides is so thick and the history is so convoluted and I am so many generations removed that I will probably never know the truth about what happened. Yeah, the truth is always complicated. It's more complicated than than the propaganda leads you to think. But if it, it wasn't enough that Hitler was anti-Semitic, it was that the environment that existed in Germany at the time was ripe for somebody who is a nationalist to bring the country out of that stupor. Well, the, you know, the Weimar Republic and the hyperinflation that they'd gone through, the the amount of suffering that the German people mm-hmm. had gone through, and this is a fairly orderly people that are now thrown into chaos. Yeah, and which we're the, about to do right now. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so already, I watched a couple of videos coming out of Germany talking about the listing all the companies that are declaring bankruptcy. A lot of these are like, 60, 70, 80, 100 year old companies. Yeah. Well, uh, according to one study, the majority of BMWs are not going to be built in the US. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only way that BMW survives because they don't have, they won't have the energy to do it. And they, they're not going to have the raw materials to do it. And they're going to probably not have the labor to do it, frankly. Well, but I mean, if you look at most of European manufacturing, Those companies also have a presence in the United States. Yeah. And right now, out of the Western countries, the U.S. is still the strongest. So if you're the CEO of Volkswagen or BMW Mm -hmm. or insert name here, boy, the U.S. manufacturing base is looking better and better. This is why I say we're deindustrializing Europe. We are. And, And my favorite European car company, Fiat, they do a lot of work in Mexico. They do. And why the hell is Fiat your favorite European car company? I always had Fiat. I love Fiat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when they bought Chrysler, that was a great move. It, it greatly improved stylistically what Chrysler vehicles look like. I mean, I've, I've had multiple Fiat cars. I've got a. Next thing you're going to tell me is a you Grand like a Cherokee. Oh, like the what? Peugeot? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm not a fan of their design language. I I think the Peugeots have always been like they were very good at certain things, but I've never really liked their design language. Yeah, yeah I always the, liked the only European cars that engine outside of like the hypercars and the sports cars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, actual everyday utilitarian cars. The only decent ones historically have been German. Yeah, German cars are good. I mean, they they make. Make, well, I, like uh, Jaguar. Jaguar has never been good. Like, they, no, but they, it looks pretty. Yeah, but they're crap. I mean, I don't know if I would go that far. Here's the thing. Both Jaguar and BMWs have the same problem, which is that you never want to own like an older than five-year-old of either one of those cars. The, the reason is slightly different, but the end result's the same. German cars are built to extremely high specs, and you have to maintain them with a lot more consistency than you do other cars. German cars are more like the, the AR-15, 
Whereas, you know, American or even Japanese cars are more like an AK. Like, even if you get some crap in there, they'll still run just fine. Uh, not so much with the German cars. The the Jag, I mean, that thing ships from the factory already needing maintenance and needing to get fixed all the time. Well, you, you hit a bump and your entire electrical system is screwed. Well, exactly. Now, why did you hit that bump? <laughs> you know... <laughs> But it's a pretty-looking car. Ford owned Jaguar for quite a while, but I'm not a huge fan of Ford either. My my dad was a big Ford guy, so I'm I'm definitely not. Yeah, my my current daily you got driver. A Ford, don't you? Yeah, I've got a Ford F one fifty that's mm-hmm. a paid off. It's 2013. Mm-hmm. I like having a paid off vehicle. Yeah, um, I'm big fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm best one of the thing to do is buy the car for cash. That's your well, ideal situation. And, and, you know, I'm not a huge Dame, Dave Ramsey fan, but one of the practices that I started actually after I bought this truck was mm-hmm. I just started after it was paid off. That mm-hmm. just goes into a savings account. I never stopped yeah. that car payment, as it exactly. were. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, so, what's your next car going to be? I don't know yet, but I, I actually I'm at 187 thousand miles on this truck. I thought you said $187,000 in the car savings account. I'd be like, oh, you can afford the new Ford F-150 then. (laughs) Yeah. So I've got 187,000 miles on this truck and I'm starting to have a weird glitch that apparently is related to a known issue with this generation of F-150. And it's weird. I'll be going down the road and all of a sudden my tachometer and speedometer drop out and Mm. the uh, transmission downshifts. Yeah. And uh, I turn it off and turn it back on again, and it comes back up. But apparently, the wiring control harness has has a known issue. But because of where the wiring control harness goes into the transmission, you have to replace the entire valve assembly for like the, no the transmission or cooler and all that. There's no way in hell you would be driving a Beamer with 187,000 miles. No way. I don't know. I drove an Audi with probably a hundred and ninety. Audi is not as not as prone to needing service as BMWs are. Okay. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I mean, this has been a great truck for me. I haven't had yeah. any major issues with it. This will be the now, how much first usage major issue of the bed. Have you gotten since you bought it? Do you, uh, have quite you used a bit. it quite a bit? Have you? Yeah. I mean, I've always vacillated between a truck and a sport ute, and I've typically gone yeah. for a sport ute because I just keep thinking that. I'm more likely to want to have the space that I can leave shit in locked up versus a space that's just open that I'm going to haul stuff that's dirty. Well, you know, I have a bed cover, which I can, I'll, I'll tell now, the story. Now, does that make it waterproof or not? Semi. Semi. Yeah, that's what I thought, semi. So the reason why just I ended up getting... whatever chick wants to hear. <laughs> the reason why I ended up getting the bed cover is actually because of COVID. Oh. So... you had to have a bed cover for COVID? No, what happened was when the Emic first started to hit, I was in DFW at the time. You know, we were mm-hmm. splitting between DFW and College Station. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of my guns were in DFW with me because, you know, go want to go shoot yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if shit hits the fan and I have to get out of this city, oh, don't I don't want to have to haul all my shit. <laughs> huh? The guns, you didn't have enough room in the back seat for the guns? Oh, fuck no. Not for the guns and ammo. <laughs> like, so I was going to my parents and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just take a bunch to them. So uh-huh. literally the bed of the truck was yep. full. Yep. I'm riding low, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got a tarp over it and I've got it tied down. I'm almost out of Dallas. I'm on the southeast corner oh, of Dallas. Me heading this. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of, or something. No, 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 no. So the tarp oh. started flapping. I'm like, ah, fuck. 
So I pull uh-huh. over and I fix the tarp. Well, I'm yeah. about to get back in my truck and a cop pulls behind me <laughs> and he's like, can I help you, sir? And I'm like, well, I was just fixing the tarp, you know, da, uh-huh. da. well, what's in the back of the truck? Uh-huh. None of your business. Exactly. And anyway, we went back and forth and he tried to use his baton to lift up the tarp and I had to interdict myself between the uh-huh. vehicle and him and say, you know, uh, am I being detained? You know, yeah. or do you, are you going to get a warrant and so on? Yeah. He tried to call in a drug dog, held me for 45 minutes Jesus waiting on a Christ. drug dog. And I said, yeah. look, if you're not going to get a fucking warrant to search my vehicle, I'm yeah. leaving. Yeah. Unless you want to detain me illegally, I'm going to go. Yeah. So I left and it ended up being okay. But after that, it's like bed cover. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Which, and, by and the way, we, everyone yeah. in a cargo area, if they cannot plainly see, they cannot search a cargo area of your vehicle, i.e., your trunk, yeah. without probable cause, you know, without probable cause or a warrant. And he had not. Yeah. So, yeah. Never, never put your window down any more than about an inch when the yeah, cop never consent to a search. Mm hmm. Anyway, yeah, sorry. and uh, I, I think that, you know, it used to be cops were very bothered by people videotaping them. Now pretty much everybody's got cameras and cops got their little camera running. What I've done in the past, which works very well, is it, if, I mean, if it's a normal traffic stop, there's no point in doing this. But if the cop is starting to get belligerent, call 911, get them <laughs> on the phone right away. Because you want to have that second tactic. line yeah. of of recording happening, and and let the cop know. I want him to be aware of the fact that not only are you, you know is he being recorded on his little video device, but he can't spin this shit because nine one one calls they can't hang up on you unless you're genuinely doing something belligerent. So all you got to say is. I'm at a traffic stop and I'm concerned that this may not be a real police officer. I would prefer to stay on the line during this incident. Yep. And that's it. And now they're recording and the cop is going to be way more self-conscious about his actions Mm -hmm. than he would be if it's just his word versus your word. Well, you know, one of the, so with dash cams, this, this predates body cams. But when I was in college, my grandfather was ill and I was on my way to go see him in Beaumont. And they're right outside of cut and shoot. There was, you came around the corner and it went from 70 to 55, no Mm -hmm. warning. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a little blue Pontiac sports car and I start hitting my brakes as soon as I can because I'd forgotten about this. Like in a Sunfire or what the hell can a Pontiac sports car? A Grand Prix GTP. uh, Grand Prix, okay. Yeah, Daytona 50th anniversary pace car edition. Mm -hmm. They made 1,500 of them. It was a fun little car. Yep. Nothing special, just a turbo char or actually supercharged V6. So mm-hmm. the worst part of that car was that it was front wheel drive. I mean, way too much horsepower for a front wheel drive vehicle, yeah, but yeah. it was still fun, you know, understeer aside. Anyway, coming around the corner and I'm hitting my brakes as fast as I can. And a fucking minivan passes me when I cross that line. Mm. You know, the minivan's going faster than I am. Mm-hmm. But of course, the cop pulls me over because mm-hmm. I'm in the little sports car. And you, you know how fast you were going? Yes, sir, I do. I've got a heads up display. You know, he's like, you were doing 75. I said, yeah, in the 70. I was doing mm-hmm. about, you know, 62 when I hit the line, but I was decelerating mm-hmm. as fast as I could. And anyway, goes back and forth and wants to, we, you know, we sit there and I'm like, I'm on my way to Beaumont, going to see my grandfather. And then he goes, 
well, can you step out of your vehicle? I said, why? I said, well, I'd like to search your vehicle. I said, well, you can if you get a fucking warrant. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar. Anyway, I actually took that cop. I challenged the ticket and took it to court. Mm-hmm. And the dash cam video indeed showed the minivan going faster than me. And mm-hmm. the judge threw it out. Yeah, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. You can't let uh, officers get away with shit, man. No, no. That's and look, I'm I'm perfectly willing to pay a ticket that was genuinely just me doing something stupid. Yeah. I, I just don't like getting called in or caught in a revenue generating scheme. Well, revenue generating and just, you know, like he saw a little sports car, then he saw a college student, and he's sitting there thinking, Okay, this guy got a little bit of pot on him. What else can I get him on? Right. Mm-hmm. That's what he was yep. thinking. No, so, that's true. you know, when I, when I had my little BMW convertible, <clears throat> I, I got pulled over for dark windows more often than anything else. Yeah. And it's literally factory, factory tent. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, they, they had this ceramic window coating on the beamers, which I have not seen any other cars, but the, the ceramic tint does a very good job of reflecting, but still allowing light in. I, I don't know how it's different from normal vinyl tint, but there's clearly a difference. Mm-hmm. Because so it looks darker from the outside than it actually you know, like, is. It's, it's not even so much that it looks darker. It looks like you can't see through it. Right. Like there's more reflection. Like instead of a black window, which just looks black, mm-hmm. this looks like it's reflecting a lot more light back out. So, which makes it, you know, if light is reflected back in your eyes from the window itself, you mm-hmm. can't really see what's underneath that. And I, I think that's what the cops didn't like. <laughs> well, there, but the, they didn't the like laws, not being able to look through the window. Right. But the laws around tent aren't about the cop being able to look in. It's about you having exactly. enough visibility to exactly. safely operate the vehicle. And that's so. why, obviously, as factory windows, it passed the little, yeah. little test gadget that they have. But I've never, in any other car I've had, had as many instances of being pulled over for dark windows. Yeah, in, in Texas, I don't think you can be pulled over for that alone. Twice in Texas, the uh, same uh, trip. Interesting, because I, I, I was always under the impression that it was mm-hmm. like your registration. It's a fix-it ticket if you're pulled over for something else. Well, Not an actual cause I, for being pulled you over. You know, I have a, a Valentine one, so I would know the cops are around way before they saw me. And so I would be always going the speed limit, but then the cop would still pull me over. And I mm. think I think you're right. I think they're prejudiced against very sporty looking cars. And that that was a very fun little car that did zero to sixty in about four four seconds, just over four seconds. And you know, but then how many like I always drove it like a grandma because I like the capability of doing that, but I didn't like the shitty mileage that you got. So I generally drove that car more like a Prius, mm. which, you know, I maybe that sells more about me, but it's, I, I swear to God, I drove my fucking Fiat 500 more aggressively than I drove the Beamer. Hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it's, yeah, it's so weird. I mean, I, I was driving out to the Grand Canyon of all things from Austin and on a trip twice, I got pulled over while still in Texas for dark windows. Hmm. That's a weird thing. Very. What else going on? So you you sent me a link to some chick. Then you said we'll talk about it, and then you never talked about it. Oh well, that was the uh, that was 
part of the conversation. I should have mentioned her in reference to the into the the conference, but we'll we'll skip. Mm-hmm. I don't want to belabor the point okay. too much, just because no, of okay. some of who she works for is investors that are kind of interesting in what they're investing in. But, yeah, she and, looked like she's about our age too. Well, my age, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's she's kind of in between. But total like Middle Eastern overachiever. Yeah, uh, yeah, but definitely a spook, you know, in my mind. Well, I mean, yeah, if if you went to Harvard for it. as a first generation Iranian American, yeah, you're probably a spook. Yeah. Yeah. So, trust. Trust didn't last very long. 10 days. <laughs> 10 days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I I didn't know much about her in the first place. And I was, I guess, figured I would find out more as her reign continued, but apparently not that long. Well, I mean, how long was it? It wasn't 10 days, was it? It was 10 days. It was literally 10 days. I just read a news story. No, because she was was recognized by the queen before she died. So it's got to be over a month. Nope. Well, I'll look it up right now. But what about her? So just that than, she's out. So who's going to be next? Oh shit, man! I have no idea. I mean, you could talk about Hunt, but I don't think that that that's really he's in. I don't think he's really in the running. Yeah, Liz Trust days yeah, forty five days. days. That, that makes here. more sense. Yes, uh, not officially out yet. She's just announced her resignation. Right, but it was ten days from something else. There was ten days from some official thing that happened probably the declaration of the mini budget or the resignation of the exchequer would be the only two events that i could think of all right but regardless it's definitely timing the bank of england has been pulling some shenanigans i think it's a little bit of a cover-up for that and it'll be very interesting to see if the uk has another prime minister well what did the netherlands go without one for over a year well, I'm more thinking about the history of Charles I and Charles II. Mm. You know, they, they suspended Parliament and took back the monarchy and back the powers for a period of time. Oh, you, you oh, come on, man. There's no way that the current King of England is going to do that. I don't know. <laughs> there is precedent. <laughs> It'd be worse if he did. I mean, if he did that, then the UK would basically shut down all power plants and, and go to pure solar. Okay. And then we would end up with a you French know, Revolution the, moment. And Charles is the point? biggest greenie out there. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And I apparently, mom, apparently, you know, he's having some health issues that means that uh, we really may have a new monarch pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. I'm really surprised that he didn't just skip over and give his thing to the to his kid. Yeah, well, why would he do that? He's been waiting for all of his life to be king. Yeah, but at a certain point, you need to get over this shit and just move on. Yeah, he's not the type of personality to do that. I mean, my God, didn't you see him throw the fit over the inkwell? No, what happened? Oh, my God, he there. the inkwell wasn't where he wanted it on the desk, so he's screaming at the servants to come move the inkwell. He couldn't move it himself? Exactly. That's the kind of person you're dealing with. Jesus so, Christ. yeah, I can totally see him saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take the monarchy back, keeling over and dying, and then we'll see what William <laughs> does. Yeah. Well, I think William, from what I heard, would actually go the opposite direction and dissolve the monarchy. He'd be the last king of England. Which I could totally see that, too. Yeah. And that would, be, that would be interesting, because if he suspend parliament, and then William says, I'm going to abdicate all power, we're not going to be a parliamentary system any longer, mm-hmm. we're actually going to be a representative republic. Yeah. 
How well, cool the powers would that, that be? be wouldn't wouldn't allow them to do that. Why not? They wouldn't allow it because they like their system where they can stay in office forever. Eh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that I think there are a lot of people in the UK See, and in Europe in general that are the unrest in Europe. We don't see a lot of it in the U.S. media, but is becoming very palpable. I wa- yeah, I watch some of it, but I I guess I'm just not very convinced that the Europeans have any power at all in their own countries. Who the do you the think globalization does? has got them to a point where they are literally just serfs. Well, yeah, but serfs can still revolt. They can, but it, it takes, I think it takes more serfs today than it did when the, the U.S. revolted with only 15% support. Well, okay. So, he, yeah, I mean, you're much more towards the Middle Ages, right? So the disparity mm-hmm. between the serfs and the lords at the time was really the knight, right? And quite frankly, drones are the modern knight. You know, you, you do not have the ability to compare arms to a drone. You don't. Right. Even if you have a rocket launcher and everything else, you get that eye of Sauron on you and you're kind of fucked. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there is a disparity in armament. During the American Revolution, that disparity was much more narrow than it is today or it had been previously mm-hmm. in history. And Europe is disarmed, right? Including yeah, the UK. They are yeah. largely disarmed. And yeah. I, again, that's why I use the reference of the French Revolution, not the U.S. Revolution, because I, I I do think it would be a very bloody and costly revolution. Yeah, I don't think the the people that are running Europe right now are in at all keen to leave. Okay, I I I, I that's fine, but I, I don't think. I guess what I, I'm getting I, to is I I see a lot more probability of there being revolts put down with ammunition by the government than I do of any kind of successive revolts. You know, um, it's all, it's all fun until somebody gets shot. And I think they're more willing to shoot people in Europe than they are in the U S. Yeah. And I don't think King Louis the 16th was expecting his head to get chopped off either, but you know, um, I don't think he was, but I think, well, we'll see, we'll see. But I, I, I really, I, I think that the current militarization of Europe for quote-unquote defensive purposes will provide plenty of weapons to be utilized for population control. Yeah, but again, so let's say there's a revolt in the UK and the UK armed forces goes, you know what, half of us agree with the people who are revolting. Mm-hmm. Then what? Does the UK then say, hey, you know, France, Germany, Netherlands, we need your support. You yep. know, who's the legitimate mm-hmm. government? Does the this legitimate government into is an, the legitimate government. Does I this dissolve into an entire European conflict and civil war? It could. It could. I think that, well, the, the idea that it wasn't enough to have one layer of monarchies in Europe, which is the quote-unquote elected governments, but they had to create a second layer, which is the European Union government, which is mm-hmm. wholly unelected. Yep. Like, this is, if you if you take out the pretense of having elections, what's been happening in Europe is exactly what Europe looked like in the Middle Ages. Well, and, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, you you have the EU really starting to build up the defense forces of the European Union, mm -hmm. which you know should be member nations and their militaries. But hey, we're going to start yeah. spending money on our own naval powers. We're going to start spending money well, on our and, own. And before the whole Ukraine situation, mm -hmm. Poland looked like it was actually one of the countries kind of leading the the charge of anti. EU because the uh, the EU held back a a large amount of money from Poland because Poland refused to put in laws relating to you know sexual normalizations that all the other European countries are okay with but Poland is a lot more of a catholic country and so they they tend to have more socially conservative views Mm -hmm. Europe, Europe didn't like that. EU didn't like that, and they decided to punish well, Poland. And hung, Hungary is another major one that yeah. was very much in the same way. Hungary should not be in the EU. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no way. I think a lot of those countries shouldn't be in the EU. I would love to see Italy leave the EU with its current administration. Well, I mean, Italy and Greece, from an economic standpoint, would be far better off if but uh, they hate each other i mean that's the the one thing is to us they're like both nice vacation places but the greeks hate the italians oh, yeah, the yeah, italians yeah. think the greeks are mexicans well yeah i mean so the greeks are only dark-skinned because of you know the 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 more the more invasions that happened right oh the italians are darker skinned than the greeks dude Right, but both of those are because of some of the invasions from Africa. Yeah, across yeah. the Mediterranean. So, well, obviously, yeah. they didn't just yeah. get permatans. I'm just saying. I mean, it's interesting because when you look at a lot of the destructions of historical records that happened and the church burnings because of you know, the Crusades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that there's a, a lot of people... I, I bet you if you did a poll in Europe, and I'm I'm basing this purely off of conjecture of the the gut feel I'm getting from watching videos. So I could be totally wrong. But I bet you if you did a poll today in Europe of do you think that being in the European Union has been beneficial or not for you personally? Not mm -hmm. for your country or leadership, but for you personally. Like, are you better off today than you were or you would have been 20 years ago? I think most Europeans, I, well, it's, I bet you at least half of Europeans would say no. Um, like, it's not better. Well, I think, I definitely, definitely the the French, the Italian, the the Greeks, Portuguese, I, I think, the Spanish. I, I think the only country that might vote in the affirmative would be Germany. Yeah, well, it's because the European Union was the Fourth Reich, and that's I've been saying that forever. It's like this yeah. is clearly an idea to make Germany conquer Europe because they're the ones that are that want it, and they're selling it to the other Europeans. The other European countries aren't clamoring for this; they're being sold to bill of goods. And and you remember all the jokes, so I, maybe, I don't know if you were listening to No Agenda back then, but like when they had to do the all the redos of the votes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm. come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like, well, oh, we didn't get I the mean, result we wanted. Let's redo the vote. Ireland. Great example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't just Ireland. I think the Netherlands had this yeah. uh, revote situation. A couple other countries did, too. So, I don't know, man. I just... I. I think that Europe has been, in a lot of ways, post-World War II, living on this idea of the once greatness of Europe, which really hasn't existed since World War I. 
but yet, you know, it, it was on this, what you mean by greatness. Well, Europe leading the world. No, no, Europe hasn't led the world in anything but historical culture for a long time. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Europe leading the world, certainly up until the, well, if not World War I, certainly up until the American Civil War. Yeah, I mean, there are some wars afterwards that we can point to, but yes. You know, Europe lost its status as world leader, you know, during... The World Wars, you know, the mm-hmm. Austro-Hungarian War and things like that definitely damaged global sentiments and economic power. The problem that Europe faced, Europe would still be the leader of the world had World War One and World War Two not happened. But the amount of destruction that was written yeah. across Europe for both of those wars, that's just such an economic cost. Yeah. You know, the cost of lives, the co- everything. So, yeah. And and that's the thing is that the the lesson I think that should have been learned from World War One and certainly World War Two is don't fight countries that are right next to you. Figure out a way to get along with them. Well, or if you do, don't. <laughs> so there are going to be border disputes. There are going to be items that arise, especially in neighboring countries. But what I would say there is. You know, the lesson of World War One was these entangling alliances that cause a greater conflict yeah. than needed to be. Yeah. Yet we didn't learn that lesson because, you know, we generated NATO and the Warsaw Pact. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, we've got that. One of which is dissolved. The other is not. Anyway, you just go down the line. And, you know, the other lesson from World War One that led to World War Two is you don't you, – you have to be somewhat of a benevolent winner. You can't just – put crushing sanctions exactly. on a country without it escalating into a further yeah, conflict. Yeah, what again. the U.S. did in Japan, I think, is the perfect model for what you do when you win the Oh, the boy, do I disagree with that. Really? Why? Well, for one, the U.S. occupation of Japan was mm-hmm. a very long process. My no, grandfather okay, okay. Hold was on, part Paul, of the you're, occupying you're getting, force of Japan. You're getting what I'm saying, I think, off a little bit. What I mean okay. is it's the best thing for the the United States to have done because you didn't just cripple the economy the way that world war one did with Germany, but you just simply inserted yourself into running Japan for a long time mm-hmm. and building up the economy to benefit your country. Yeah. I mean, there, and very much at first there was a lot of hatred towards the GIs that were no, no, occupying no. Japan. There was hatred towards Americans when I was there. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Japan is but somewhat of an to ally. To attack. But, <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, they up until extremely recently their constitution that the u.s imposed upon them during that Mm -hmm. reconstruction period prevented them from having anything but a defensive force they've currently changed some of their when's the last time you heard of some american getting killed by the yakuza you don't you don't exactly but you get americans killed all the time by the failed narco state that you dislike yeah okay yeah so they're not afraid of of killing Americans, but Japanese are. Well, I think the Yakuza are just a little bit more sophisticated than the Mexican cartels. They're in the same business. Yeah, but one's a lot older than the other. Yeah, it's it's older. It's more traditional. They've got more rules, but exactly, you know, they're both outside and, the law. 
Well, yeah, but the Yakuza restrain themselves as to not draw too much attention. They play the game of we're going to slip under the line here and not get too crazy. Yeah. So it's like the the mob. The mob did the same thing to a large extent. You rarely had mob wars, mm-hmm. like real mob wars, because they divided territory. And huh? I remember the, some of that from the eighties in New York. Yeah, 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 but that 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 was that was. But it's not like the cartels today. Hmm. Right, the cartels go to war with each other all the fucking time. Well, the C, the or I was going to say CIA. It's not the CIA. It's the FBI. FBI has a fairly substantial budget and task force to do exactly that to get the cartels to war with each other. Right. Um, hey, did you ever watch? I, I know yeah. I've recommended this. Did you ever watch Ozark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen all of it. If, but, uh, if anyone um, yeah, has, I was I started watching it when it do. came out. It is one of the shows that I think actually managed to stay good all the way through the end. Most shows after two or three seasons just start sucking because yeah. they're on autopilot. I think Ozark is one of those rare exceptions where the has it been last canceled? season is yeah it's done. Okay, but the last know. season, which was out I think beginning of this year, I think is still very good. And it, it ties up a lot of loose ends. Cool. I'll have to watch it. I stopped watching a lot of TV, so I haven't. Yeah. You know, I watched the first couple of seasons. And Ozark is not one of those shows you need to have a nice system to watch. You know, you don't have the massive shots. Most things are indoors, so you can watch it on a laptop. You're traveling all the time. What do you do after you get done with work at a hotel? You don't watch anything? You just read books? Well, usually, you know. Oh, I was going to ask you. You finished reading that one book that dude recommended, right? Yeah, we talked about it last show. Yeah, we did. So I haven't started it yet, but you you think I should? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. All right. I, I, I think it's very, it is well worth a good read. I think the you know, not to spoil anything, but the primary takeaway is technology can be a detriment to you, especially as, you know, you, the disease, which I can't pronounce that word ever, a trap is unfolding. Well, nuclear? Okay, Gene. Anyway, it's an interesting book. It's an interesting take. It's interesting, you know, that he predicts this war to be between China and the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then India is going to come in and settle the matter. So, you know, it's 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 got some great things in there. It's got some topical things in there. It talks about the Iranian general that we assassinated, which I'm blanking on his name right now. It talks about Modi and how he changed Indian culture a lot, which I think he's doing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it takes a lot of current politics and makes a projection into the future, which I think has some validity and, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's just interesting insights from, from an an admiral. So, Mm -hmm. who ends up being very politically interesting in and of himself. So, so I'm on like page 35 of 380 pages in the that book that I mentioned I was starting to reread mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. which was in my opinion the best book about spying and and CIA and stuff that I've ever read. So Ended I'm, up I'm adding a, it reading to my list a much slower much slower pace obviously than you. Yeah. But curious to see if anybody else is reading either one of these two books. What What's the one called that you just finished? 2034, A Novel of the Next World War. Yeah, and this one's called The Company by yeah. Littell. Yeah, well, I and, mean, it was, it, it was a recommendation by Billy Bones, and yeah. it was one of those books I picked up and go, okay, I started reading, and the it got me enthralled. And, yeah, it just you sucked know, in. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
I mean, it took so me if anybody like else is days. reading them, let us know. It'll be, yeah. it'll, uh, you know. Uh, well, so what are you reading now if you're done with that one? I am back to slowing down a little bit. Right now, I'm going through finishing up the Red Rising trilogy. The second half of the trilogy, or the oh, second yeah. half of the six books is not as good, so it okay. doesn't get me. But I, it's one well, of those I things I want to finish the story. I just haven't started them. Yeah, the first three books are excellent. The first okay. three books are excellent. The I'm I'm the the other downward half of this I'm working on. I still enough to interest me, but I'm not as voracious about it. The first mm. three books were great. Um, I think I'm done with buying books now for the rest of the year. My Audible, yeah. well, no, my Audible is out of points and it's going to reset in December. Oh, you you do it yearly? Yeah, I do a yearly Audible points thing. Okay. Uh, I found uh, that because the yearly points, they don't expire the way that the monthly ones do. Well, the monthly one, depending on what, I mean, it all depends, but. Well, I forgot about it for like a year and I realized all my points expired. Uh Uh-huh. That sucked. I was pretty pissed. I was going to cancel it. And I saw that they had the yearly thing that you just get all the points up front and then you got a year to use them up or actually more than a year. So I just went that route. Well, I may do that too. I've just I've been on Audible for so long; it's not even funny. Oh, yeah. It's like twenty but, years. Yeah, yeah. But I like going back and forth between the Kindle and all that. But to answer your original yeah. question, what do I do? I I have a Roku streaming stick that I take with me that sometimes mm-hmm. I'll plug in and watch a movie or something. But that's mm. you know not very often. Like on um, a hotel TV set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. The other thing I'll you know most of the time I'm with a group or we're doing something. So we end up going out to dinner and, you know, maybe go grab a beer or something. And, you know, it depends. Sometimes I'm taking hmm. out clients and, you know, then that's a whole thing. And by the time you get back to the hotel, it's just time to go to bed, you know? Yeah, that's true. It, it all depends. Yeah. I, I forget that you're there to work, not just to sit in Mexico the way I was. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and, you know, if I get, if I get off, if I get done with whatever I'm doing and I've got a break between now and we're going to dinner or doing something, it's usually talking to, you know, wife and kids and doing all that before I go off. So hmm. it's not like I just go out into the ether and exist. Yeah. So let me ask you a question here. Do you think it's worth upgrading my uh, Ethernet at home to two and a half gig? I, as a single person, no. I cannot imagine doing that. Yeah, because I just realized that my one of my computers, actually two, three of my computers already have that. I just don't have a hub for it or router. Well, I guess the hub itself. Not I don't, router is still one gig. But so you're talking about your home Ethernet? Yeah. Not even the internet coming in. I I don't see. I mean, if you're doing major video editing across and transferring large files across your network. Sure, if you want to go to Cat Six and do all that termination, and then you've got to have a switch that can support it and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Are the prices down at all for those switches, or are they still expensive? I mean, you can get used Cisco like twenty nine sixties with SF, SF, SFP ports that have you know sufficient enough P plus ports and backplane. Sure, especially for your use. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I but dude. I, I, I'm a pretty heavy user, and one gig is plenty for me. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, I, I guess. mean, what do you what do you what do you envision the use of it as? I mean, nine um, times just, out of ten, I'm on wireless. Better latency for gaming? No, it's not going to affect your latency. If you double the speed, your latency should go down. No, no, bandwidth has nothing to do with latency. I beg to differ. What do you mean it has nothing to do with latency? 
latency is the time it takes for a single packet to go from your computer to the other endpoint. Yeah. The and amount of packets you are sent. No, 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 no. Bandwidth has nothing to do with latency. Latency is basically speed of light and processing delay. Bandwidth is how much data you are pushing at a given time. I guarantee you, you do not have a game that is pushing more than probably 50 megabits per second up. If that. Yeah. So, no, it's yeah, not but gonna going to Well, I can tell you going to gigabit of fiber connection made definitely an improvement in latency. Yes, absolutely, because you have different latency A in routing, and the you know you're not going through copper nodes. Moving from fiber, a fiber optic network off of like a Doxis cable network, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's a function of the way the Doxis three and so on protocols function, and versus you know you know fiber's not a magical thing. But latency, I mean, how well, what latency you're to trying Austin to get to? Because this is where a lot of the gaming company data centers are. Yeah, but what what latency are you trying to get to? What are you at? Uh, I'm at like between 12 and 18 milliseconds. Yeah, I mean, getting sub 10 millisecond latency for anything is pretty damn difficult. Yeah. I mean, just A, speed of light delays, and then B, any processing overhead you have at all. Well, that's always always been my, my sort of ace in the hole is that like back when I competitively played video games, you know, I was physically as close to the data center as possible and had a T1 connection to minimize latency back in the 2000s. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's he wins. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Trust me. I remember playing shit. What was it? It was the Half Life first person shooter online. What was mm-hmm. that? Uh, I'm Crouch. not sure which one. Crouch. No, I'm trying to remember. Oh. Hold on. Let me open up Steam and I'll tell you. Anyway, yeah, I, I was playing on a dial-up setup back then. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why we used to do LAN parties all the time is because, yep. you know, doing it, doing it actually online was not a, mm-hmm. not a thing. And, of course, Steam's going to install an update. But anyway. You haven't played anything for a while. Counter-Strike. There we go. Counter-Strike. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. That was a fun game. I remember that. Yep. That and Quake and then Unreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first Cisco class I was ever taking was at the high school. And we had an hour for lecture and an hour for lab. And when we had the hour for lab, we the the the, the teacher would always go in and break the lab and then we'd have to go through and do troubleshooting. And as soon as we got the network back up and we could play Quake across it, we had the remainder of the time to play Quake. So it got us to get into troubleshooting and teamwork mode really quickly so that we could play a game. I, I love the fact that you were taking this in high school because that was not even a concept when I was in high school. Yeah, so it, it, the last two years of high school, I went to a public school. And I graduated high school at 16. So we had a pretty advanced computer program for the day at that high school, especially considering it was in rural Idaho. Mm -hmm. But we had a Cisco CCNA program, which I got my CCNA before I graduated high school. And I also, that we had a Solaris program. I got my Solaris admin cert before I graduated high school. That's awesome. And, and, you know, we also had a web design stuff that I never got into because I'm not going to ever be a web developer. Um, Yep. But yeah, so I mean, it was it was pretty cool. 
and we had a hell of a lab. In fact, the guy who was teaching it had retired from Cisco. So mm. he had actually gotten a lot of the lab equipment and everything for Cisco donated it. Nice. And uh, yeah, and the school had really pushed, and this is in the early 2000s, a lot of grants. Like there were smart boards in every classroom in mm. the early 2000s, which a lot of the inner city schools couldn't have ever said that, you know? Yeah, no, that, it, that is awesome. I mean, it's, I love hearing that that was the case then. I'm sure it's even better now. Although now, you know, I don't know. Now it's probably more If the teachers are actually teaching anything, I think they're mostly just teaching people how to, or kids, how, their how parents to have about sex their gender. with, yeah, exactly. How to have sex with, you know, dogs and things. I think that'll be the next thing. Like what what is coming down that pipe of like the next thing to try and be normalized is it bestiality no it's definitely pedophilia yeah but after pedophilia what's next after pedophilia bestiality probably because i mean you know i've been to tijuana i know a little bit about bestiality <laughs> but uh oh, gene uh-huh well if you don't get if you if you go to tijuana and you don't go to the donkey show you really haven't been to tijuana I, that's um, okay i'm good with not going to tijuana no, all right, all right, just, you know, it's a rite of passage. But I don't know, man. I, I'm like, I'm trying to think of what is the next thing because there is no end here. As soon as one I, thing becomes normalized, they move on to the next thing. Yeah, but I think there's going to be a backlash. I think we're already seeing the backlash. We're definitely seeing a backlash, but it doesn't mean that they're going to stop normalizing things that were uh, the way they have been. I, I don't think there's going to be much of a choice given i think you're going to see a fracturing and i think that i, I think this, there's still a lot of people in the pro pedophilia community oh yeah i mean the, i mean like we're already the seeing government the, of the u.s we're, well we're already seeing the changes in language and people you know saying oh they're not pedophiles they're maps they're minor attracted maps. persons mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. they it's an orientation they can't help it okay you know and but this is this is the slippery slope that's why i'm saying what's next I mean, are there, are there going to be like animal attracted persons? I mean, apps. I, I, I think there already are people in that Apes? community in the Apes? in in the underground. You know, zoo. Well, there's always these that. things have always been underground. It's not like these are new concepts. No, Pedophilia is not, not a new thing that just emerged. It's just no, but it, it was the not normalization accepted by society. of it that's new. Yeah, right. Although, again, depends how far back you go. In Rome, it was. In Greece, it was. In Africa, it was. Okay. Even in some Caribbean countries, it was not that long ago. I mean, it, again, it depends. Like we've talked before about my grandparents on my mom's side mm -hmm. and, you know, the age difference between my grandmother and my grandfather. Mm -hmm. You know, she was 16. He was 22. It's today, that, difference. today, that would be considered pedophilia. That's not pedophilia. But it would yeah. be considered weird and not okay. Back then, that was pretty common, especially in the South. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or the Vatican, where the age of consent is 13. Yeah. yeah. But but that's, but I'm even, I'm not even referring to that. I'm talking about the actual pedophilia, like seven, eight, nine-year-olds. But in a lot of countries, a couple thousand years ago, this was like a normal thing. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be a normal thing. Anyway, uh, I... I'm I, not saying it should. I'm just saying that these are new, but also old. Yeah, but I, I, a couple things there. One, we've vastly extended adolescence. Therefore, that decision-making capacity has been pushed out further. I think that, you know, I, I think that people should be stronger and um, the definition of 
you know, when you're an adult should actually contract based off of, uh, you know, the society we live in, not be extended. But regardless, I think we have to get back to a moral standard. This moral relativism and this idea that your identity is whatever you say it is and it is non-negotiable is insane. You know, there even if you don't want to say that there are objective truths, well, if you have two subjective truths that clash, i.e. my worldview and your worldview, how do you ever reconcile those without at least negotiation? You know, well, I'm this, right. You're wrong. We're done. Okay. And I feel the same, but exactly. You know, and that, that's, that's but then what we everybody get in, should think. But then that, we get were, in, we, but then we get into this society that sits there and says violence is never the answer. Well, if you say you're a woman and I say you're not, and you say, yes, I am. And I say, no, you're not. And it deeply hurts you and offends you. At some point, you're going to be willing to engage in violence to correct my opinion. Mm-hmm. But exactly. the society says violence is never the answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... So the point oh, I, I make... I sent you a video. Actually, this reminded mm-hmm. me. I sent you a video. It was a... I think I sent you. It was a... Made by the Vet TV. And it had a... A clip there of a... I guess he was a priest in the... You know, Iraq or something. In the... On the military base. And so he's going to do confessions. And and this guy comes in and sits down and... And so Goldstein, so you're, you're Jewish, aren't you? And, and the guy says, yeah, how'd you know? That's why I heard the coins jingling in your pockets there. And like, (laughs) that's funny. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be bad. You know what I mean? Like we, we need to get back to a time where you can make fun of people based on stereotypes and not be afraid of being canceled. Well, I forget who said it, but someone made the point recently that you can't be canceled without your own consent. And there's some truth to that. I agree with that. You know, like you and I, I don't know who knows this or not, but by, I guess, ethnicity, you're Jewish. Definitely not a practicing Jew, but whatever. Yet we can sit here and make fun and make jokes and be politically incorrect Mm -hmm. because, you know, hey, I'm joking around with a buddy of mine when we're we're stating our opinions yeah and... i can make fun of your retarded pronunciations yeah. that's not a big deal <laughs> nobody's hurt nobody's offended yeah by the way since you used the retard word uh-huh would you think of kanye calling biden a fucking retard i didn't hear of it so he yeah. did that's, that's yes. nice that's he said awesome. it on a podcast yeah, he, yeah that i'm he was to fucking like retarded. kanye more and more i mean I... i've never been into his music I would i'm say not that. either yeah, but and I think he was kind of a dick to Taylor Swift when she won the thingamajiggy. But I, I here's what I like: I like a guy who just doesn't give a shit enough to be able to voice things without worrying about the consequences. I like that. That's what I liked about Trump too. He just didn't give a shit. Yeah, you know Conway, Con Conway, Kanye, yay, and Ye's a billionaire. My understanding is right. He, he is, and yeah. he's a self-made billionaire, and he didn't just do it over his music. He's a pretty smart person. He probably has some of those guys with coins working for him. Yeah, he tends to talk very much like Trump in that you can take snapshots of what he says, and it sounds like he's a moron. But when you listen mm-hmm. to him in context, he makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, for instance, some of the comments he made about repealing certain amendments, you know, that 
theoretically abolish slavery oh, except for prisoners and then yeah, slave labors. A- it, it actually codifies slavery. Codif- yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, pe- people were so stupid as to go, oh, he, he he's pro-slavery. And no, he's pointing out that prisoners yeah. can be slaves and that that's not okay and that we need to yeah. change that. He's actually talking about prison reform, you moron. Although, I don't see what's wrong with somebody being for slavery either, but that's just me. Well, as long as it's the individual selling their selves, then that's fine. Mm. But anyway, I mean, how how free are you if you can't sell yourself into slavery? That's what I've always said. Yeah. Exactly. If someone owns you. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't somebody do it yourself, it. then you, it's the, you're you owned by someone yourself, else. If you can't then somebody else can. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. I... I, I I'm not a huge fan of his music, but he's definitely, I I like that he's found Christ and that he's started kind of his own religious awakening for a lot of young men who listen to him. Mm. And, you know, my stepson's a fan of his. Is he a a Jordan Peterson guy or not? Who? Kanye. Have they talked at all? I haven't. No, not that I'm aware of. I have no idea if he's had any interaction, but it would be interesting to see if. If those two were, like, if well, I mean, he, Peterson interviewed him or something. I, I would love to see that. So one of the things that, you know, when he was being, quote unquote, canceled, one of the things that I love that he said is, you know, they just don't like a free man talking. And mm-hmm. amen, <laughs> 100%. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Chase debanking him the way oh, they that are. that was so you know, crazy. Well, and I mean, he made a great point. I've got $120 million in the bank with them, and they can do this to me. What can they do to you? Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Exactly. That's his checking account, $120 million. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Not $120 million under investment. $120 no, in, some odd million in the, in bank. the bank. Yes. Uh-huh. You're making yeah. 0.7%. Right. This is yeah. his liquid funds. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, I, I'd like to have that in overall assets. I know, right? It's, I, I think that, well, I've said for a long time what I've observed, not from myself, obviously. I'm nowhere near anywhere near as rich as a lot of these guys, but I've worked with enough people that have had high net worths that the, uh, the biggest difference in terms of spending is how people seem to get a lot more comfortable with the extra zeros when it comes to the values of things. Like mm-hmm. something that is, like let's say you, you look at a Rolex, right? Expensive mm-hmm. watch. Most people would consider this an extravagance and like, holy shit, I, you, I can't believe you're going to spend 10000 bucks on the watch. That's crazy. Right. Or even like 20 years ago. I can't believe you're going to spend 4000 bucks on a watch. That's crazy. But to the people that are multi-millionaires, like the Rolex is a Casio. So really what you're looking at is those Philippe Patek $180,000 watches. You know, stuff that makes what most people consider to be luxurious extravagance seem like a not a particularly luxurious thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens across the board. So <clears throat> you may still drive a Tesla, but your Tesla costs twice as much because it's been super customized. Okay. You know, there's a, stuff like that is that the, the, when, when spending 250 grand on a Tesla doesn't really move the needle whatsoever on your mm-hmm. bank account, 
you have a very different set of what is normal. And that's why also I think a lot of people, if they want to try and demonize rich people, they'll say stuff, oh, well, you don't even know what the price of a gallon of milk is. Because it's true, they don't. <laughs> you know, it's, well, uh, because it's not something that they're having to worry about. It. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, I, I, I will admit that I can't tell you exactly what a gallon of milk costs, but I can tell yeah. you that my grocery bill, I've noticed, is up Twice probably almost 30, now 30 yeah. to 40% on average. Yeah. From, yeah. you know, last year. So, you know, and here's the thing. I, and this is something, this has been a conversation between my wife and I more than once is mm -hmm. I am very thankful to be in the financial position that we are in because the inflation that we are seeing, mm -hmm. it, you know, we, we're in that threshold where it's, it hurts us. It diminishes what we're doing in other areas, but we're not struggling. You get too far below us, and people are struggling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even people who make over a hundred grand a year, this oh, is yeah. a significant yeah. enough inflationary amount that it's hitting people, especially people who huh? live paycheck yeah. to paycheck and are strapped with debt. I've got I mentioned this on on unrelenting as well. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he works at Amazon, and he was trying to hire <clears throat> a developer for his team. And the guy's got, you know, good experience, good, good, solid development experience in the specific area they're looking for. And they ended up giving him an offer of 460000 And so this guy was, you know, he was, was that 160 or 460000 460000 God yeah, damn. 460000 Amazon pays a lot for developers. They're, they're, they're brand new hire right out of college for development is 135000 and okay. then it just goes up from there. Anyway, so th this guy, it looked like he was going to get him. And then guy comes back to him like a week later and says, hey, I got bad news. And the bad news is that when he told his boss that he was leaving, they came back with a counteroffer. And the counteroffer he got was for 710000 Because they didn't want to have him leave for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was a retention bonus capacity uh -huh. part of that and everything else. And and at this point, Amazon's like, yeah, we're we're not gonna match that. <laughs> That's yeah. too much. Yeah. But when you're in a world where literally developers are making half a million a year, and like, I'm sure it's not just at Amazon in other companies as well. They're keeping up with inflation. I don't know what the people that are the project managers can do because the project manager and I like even their salaries have gone up. I've never paid more than a hundred thousand dollars for a project manager in 20 years. And then this year I hired one and I interviewed for probably, I don't know, two months, three months for mm -hmm. that role. The average asking price was 120,000. I ended up bringing one in for 130,000 mm -hmm. because she had really good qualifications, but a lot of them, with more experience, like she had six years of experience. Mm -hmm. People with more than 10 years, they were looking for 150, 160. It well, is literally one and a half times higher than what I would have paid for that exact person than what I had paid for that exact person 10 years ago. Yeah. It's well, like that it, it, job never was over 100K. Well, I'm trying to remember the, it's a Dallas-based company, starts with an S, but basically all they do is project management. No, it starts with an yeah. S. 
Well, close enough. Jesus Christ. It's not Serrano. It's something like that. But anyway. Yeah. We had contracted with my last company, had contracted with them for all the project management and everything. And the most junior person they would bring in for project mm-hmm. management for us was making, you know, 95K. The mm. managers that were also doing project management and managing people were making 165K. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's for essentially a clerical role. Yeah. Right. This is not a technical person. This is a no. clerical person. Yeah. This is, this is not a difficult to obtain skill set. Well, I, I will say that a good, hardworking, industrious project manager can make or break your team, though. And, you know, if they're lazy about it, then that can be a problem. So yeah. it's one of those things that you're you're paying to avoid that problem. You are, but it didn't used to cost as much. So you, what you just told me was sort of the in-between time frame and of between when I was hiring a bunch of these people for mm-hmm. Fortune 500 and what I've done recently. And I mean, these, these are, you can be an English major, go work as an assistant PM for a year, take your PMI, PMP cert, and then be making over $100,000. And that's just wrong. English majors should never make over a hundred grand. I don't care what they're doing. <laughs> you need to punish that decision. Okay. So anyway, there's my Sendero. Sendero is the name of the company. Never heard of them. Of. Okay. Yeah. Sounds Mexican. Anyway, it's we had Mexican some good people from there. Consulting company? And no, it's a. I used to get mine from company. IBM. I had, back when I was doing a lot of the InfoSec stuff, uh-huh. we'd bring in our PMs from IBM. Yeah, this was a general business decision. So we had PMs in IT and in cybersecurity, and they were also providing project managers for, you know, accounting and everything mm-hmm. else. So it was mm-hmm. a single source provider sort of deal. The same sort of thing you do with like an Accenture or something like that mm-hmm. for outsourcing, yep. IT, you know, big company deals, uh, which means that for your little project or whatever, you're stuck sourcing from this source, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the master agreements that you got to deal with when you're working in Fortune 500 sometimes are counterproductive. Well, and they it's, they drive out innovation. You know, there are lots of companies right now with the recession and everything else that Microsoft's going to be the de facto winner in this in lots of ways because, oh, you know, you don't need Splunk as your sim. Just use Sentinel-1. Yeah. You know, it's covered under the master services agreement. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it, what, it, what, it, what economic situations and contract situations like we currently have in the Fortune 500 – they they bias towards the large incumbents more than anyone else, mm-hmm. which inherently stifles innovation no, um, and it, stifles the economy further because that means that you know Splunk, for an example, not that it could be it could be any program. It could be yeah. authentication program X Y Z. If you're a CIO and you're looking at a reducing budget and how you can cut and save money. Man, those big company agreements that you have where you can just tack on features at a much reduced cost while it's not as capable, but it covers the bases and checks the box for the board. What are you going to do? That's exactly right. That is exactly right. The problem with them usually is they require multi-year commitments. There's nothing wrong with doing (laughs) a short-term commitment with one of those, but when you're locked in for five years, that's where you start running into 
Well, locked in, and it's usually a use it or lose it sort of scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning, okay, even if you're not using this, we're still going to charge you for it. Of course. Yeah. You're an idiot not to. Of yeah. course. All right, you got anything else? Though I just noticed we're running over two hours, and uh, you know I'm trying to hit right around two hours. We're past okay. that now. Oh no, man, I'm good. I think this I mean, was we could a talk decent first episode. You got, you got stuff, yeah. So hey, we, we still need some music. We do you know, need we, music. We, I thought Secret Agent Paul was going to help us out and come yeah. through. I'm well, still he hoping busy. he will. But it happens. Yeah, it happens. It does. Tell tell everybody what you're you were wanting for the theme song. Well, I mean, in your own words, I'm, obviously, what I would prefer for. a theme song is the Waylon Jennings version of just the good old boys. Whatever right. That song but short of licensing that, what we want but is short of a parody, that, you know, something with that, some kind of a country rock feel that, that has the words just two good old boys, maybe not in that order for, for license, for uh, two old boys. Reasons. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Or maybe yeah. just in a different language. That'd be all right too. I mean, if you want to do it in Spanish or Polish, I more, more than welcome to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All righty, Gene. Well, it's good talking to you, man. Yeah, man. So we'll we'll talk again next week. Again, if you're listening to this, you figure out how to make the switch and make sure you let other people know about us. And remember, it's a new podcast, so we're going to ask you to really make sure to leave those reviews on your platform of choice, whether it's Apple or Google or whoever, because while it's great getting people that have already listened to Sir Gene Speaks coming on here, what we really need to do is focus on getting people that have never heard of this show to be recommended this show. And the only way that happens is if we get some good reviews posted. Yep. Post the reviews, post the social media contents. Anyone who you think might like the show, passing around, you know, we're Spread always good for an opinion at least. All right, Ben. We'll Later, see you next man. week. Bye. Cruising down a back road, strapped a heavy load. My trusty old sidekick, we're on the outlaw road. Dust clouds rising, sun beating on all our skin. A couple good old boys never let the law win. Moonshine and a trunk shotgun by our side. Dukes of hazard on this wild and crazy ride. Jumping over rivers, taking chances every day. Rebel hearts and southern pride, that's the hazard way. Riding on the outlaw road, breaking all the rules we know. Just a couple of renegades living life the rebel way. Smoky roots, living life on the edge like the deuce of hazard.